0: Good afternoon. Another day in paradise. I don't know. Here, do you think I got a future as a DJ? Um, uh, you're you're well
1: on your way. I, I mean, say.
0: you know, it's crazy to have these rooms. The horrible <laughs> stuff that's going on in the Ukraine, and again, you know, we're not going to do another room about geopolitics. Mm-hmm. By the way, everyone's got to become a neon expert now. Um, right. I, that's the item de jour. You know, it was uh, armchair immunologist. Then everyone retired and became um, an expert in foreign relations. Macro. macro. Yeah, foreign relations and and nuclear war. And then, you know, we read over the weekend that um, I think 50% of the world's neon comes from the Ukraine. And 90% of the neon used for uh, some fancy semiconductor manufacturing process in the United States comes from the Ukraine. So now I I, I suspect everyone in this room, do me a favor and DM me. If you see a clubhouse room or a Twitter space on Neon, let me know about it. I think we also need to have an informal polling. And we're gonna get Tony Greer up here to talk. What a treat, Tony, you're in the house. Tony, if you can talk, I'd love to have you come up and maybe talk a little bit at the beginning. I just want to let you know, Tony, people loved hearing you speak a week or two ago when we had you in here. It's one of the sessions I got the biggest amount of positive feedback on. So Tony, if you're um, if you're up to it, we'd love to get some wisdom from you. But at any rate, um, you know, it's 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 we're not going to do a room on geopolitics because everyone's uh, got an opinion. Opinions like noses. Everyone has one. The
1: more vulgar no. version is opinions like assholes. Everybody has one. But by, by the way, George, can you name a more esoteric subject than uh, than like neon? Like, <laughs> like, 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 I mean, literally, can you name one? I can't. you right. Although I, I
0: do want I will let Schmuckatelli talk about I want to hear from Joe. About what's going on on the ground with the military stuff, because he speaks to facts. It's not opinions. Um, we all have opinions. Um, so let me just ramble for a couple of minutes, and I don't want to get Tony to, to, to in here, because a lot's changed since he last spoke. And again, Tony, people were really fired up about what you had to say last time, and so uh, you know, people were feeling, people were feeling it when you were talking. So let me just—I don't have a prepared spiel. I mean, I decided to do this room a half hour ago. It's getting easier all the time. I just. Maybe it's because of the fact that I'm a natural bullshit artist. It comes pretty easily for me. Um, But I was reading a publication today summarizing um, some some of what's going on. I just have so many thoughts um, running through my head right now. Um, You know, I I do. Usually Zero Hedge is a bad place to hang out because it's bear porn. But the bear porn is actually in gear with a zeitgeist to the market right now. So it's actually a good time to be looking at uh, zero hedge. Most of the time you don't want to look at it. I will plead guilty to having read it too much over the years, but they're in gear with what's going on. Um, so I guess Tony would say that the chart is validating the narrative that goes with it. But um, you know, there was a, there was a story from this afternoon. Let me just find it. Namura had a piece up. Um, everything's starting to break. We've talked about this numerous times in this room uh, you get weird stuff happening too many stresses and strains you know oil going to prices thought people thought were impossible uh wheat we had uh, abe in this room the other day talking about how in two or three days some of these steel products from eastern europe went nuts why because product disappeared uh i understand uh i think nickel was up 80 percent at one point today uh someone who's a friend of this room um, if he comes in here, I'll let him tell the story, but there was a room going there was rumor going around that somebody had was on the, had, got, got squeezed out, or had to cough up on a five billion dollar nickel position. They were hedged incorrectly or something. Who knows if it's true or not, but he explained to me that five billion dollars would be 10% of the entire value of I think of the nickel market. And what's more important to me than whether or not the story is true, and I know Tony will be a fan of this, is Stan Weinstein, a professional tapering, was still around and used to say, it's not the news that counts, it's the reaction to the news. So I suspect that just a lot of people who uh, are stuck, um, who are still thinking about um, how much they can make FOMO instead of worrying about how much they might lose. You need to have the defense on the field. This is not the time to be playing offense. If you're crazy like me and you want to short stocks, that's fine. But but again, we always try to help the, the, you know, the person, the average person in the room. Like, what do they do? Be in cash, get off margin, be defensive, you know, let the market come to you. Um, so I just think it's a time where, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, if you're a doctor, the first, first rule is do no harm. Um, let me read to you from uh, a market commentary from someone who's been in this room. I'm not going to disclose his name. And uh, I'm gonna then use this to turn I'm gonna, Tony. I'm gonna tee you up because I, I want you to. I want you to speak for those of you who don't know him. Um, gotcha. t- Tony is uh, proprietor of uh, TG Macro, longtime street veteran, ex Goldman Sachs, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but I forget it. In any event, smart guy, one of the best uh, guys on the street for getting a feel of what's going on. And what I like about Tony is, you know, some guys are just pure chartists, and some guys are pure macro bullshitters. And never the two shall meet. But but Tony is actually able to put together, integrate the two for a sort of more holistic picture of what's going on. At any rate, so Tony, I'm going to give the floor to you for a second. I just want to read to you a stream of consciousness written by, it's a, it's a daily note um, from someone today. Um, says this morning, I said, uh, s, you know, s and is below a certain level. It's it, it's the next oh shit level. Now we're below that. Um, many are calling for a relief rally. A pullback in commodities. I think that's plausible. However, the timing is impossible. If we close below those aforementioned levels, you have to start thinking whether you, you've considered everything. Private, private equity markdowns to come in big hedge funds, those are going to leave a mark. Putin's scorched, scorched earth policy, to taking down the US dollar by killing their market, destroying dollar hegemony. US economy falling into recession as the Fed nearly has to raise 25 basis points. The market, and this is now he's stealing from uh, 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 Walter Deemer. market made to, you know, is made to make the most look foolish most of the time, especially the Fed in this case. Mr. Market's annoyed with Jay Powell, as you can be sure. Finally, and I'll get to this more later, and, and, and Tony, this is something I never heard of until today. You may be able to speak to this. Bernard Baruch's continuity of bullish thought must be considered here. This is the concept where everyone's you know, on the beach, happy, everything's going up, they're all bullish. And all of a sudden you get regime change, toilet gets flushed, and now everyone's like, they haven't adjusted their thoughts. But anyway, continuity of bullish thought must be considered here. Buy the dip, FOMO, fools, charlatans who never saw a bear market, refuse to accept the changing of the guard. The market leadership is nowhere right now. And here's the killer question. Be careful out there. If someone postulated that there's a Lehman moment in the shadows... Could you really argue against it? And with that happy introduction, Mr. Greer, Tony Greer is in the house, the one and only. So, Tony, you don't have to answer that question. You can talk about whatever you want. People want to hear from you. So, Tony, welcome. Good to see you again, my friend.
2: George, thank you so much for having me on, my man. Um, you know, if there's if there's one thing that I want to speak to, it's about, you know, putting the narrative together with the price action and you know i'm getting i'm getting more and more emboldened you know by the call that continues to reiterate itself you know we've been calling it the great rotation where commodities and hard assets metals and mining et cetera, are all have have the potential and are lined up to rally um you know technology is lined up to catch if we're going to continue to you know nudge rates higher And today, man, I mean, the reaction today was fucking epic. I mean, excuse my French, but it just was, right? Like today was a watershed moment that should have shaken anybody to their core that thought that just buying the tech dip was going to work. Or that, you know, maybe, you know, fading a commodity move just because the price is too high was gonna work and looking for a you know cyclical pullback, God forbid, or something like that, because I don't think that's the right way to be looking at this commodity market. So when you look at today and you have oil services up eight percent, crude oil up two and a half percent, the BCOM up three percent, and you have FANG stocks off five percent to a dangling new low for the move. Every sector of technology got absolutely butchered. And they're now in technically worse shape than they were on last Friday's close, which is, you know, an interesting way to start the week with, you know, and and we're seeing now, George, that, you know, that weight of technology, right, it's got to come out, it's got to come out right now, period, end of story, right? Like, like, there's no way that the asset manager a responsible asset manager is sitting in his chair right now and saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still fading this commodity move. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's irresponsible right now. So what's more responsible is, you know, kicking the tires on your pad, looking at today's moves at what moved today in response to, you know, the, the decades worth of news that we got over the weekend What happened today? And then compare that to the way things are steamrolling on the year, right? So you look at what happened today and then look what it is on the year. It's the same thing. What's the top leading sector? And I mean, my selfish sector that I'm following on the top of my leaderboard, oil services right up 52% XLE of 37% BCOM up 32%. That's the top of my like selfish little lead leaderboard with XME metals and mining, IGE natural resources and gold metals and mining right behind them. They're all up 20% or more year to date. Dangling off the bottom of my year to date leaderboard is Ethereum which is getting monkey hammered down thirty-two percent because the you know the the laser-eyed people realize that rates are going to go up and this thing is going to be challenged, right? Cannabis companies just out of favor right now, bidless through last year's low in the IPO price. Social media falling apart. Internet stocks um, outside. You even got semiconductors off five percent. I mean, if this doesn't shake you up, right? This is that's the bottom of the leaderboard is cannabis, social media, internet, home builders, which I haven't discussed yet. um, Cloud storage and semiconductors. Those are all off 20% on the year. And I'm just trying to think of what would happen between now and the end year that might reverse that because I've got a long list of things that say that this is going to be exacerbated and it's still got time to pick up steam. And I'm talking about this rotation. So that's my, um, That's my most earnest take on the market. Um, You know, it looks like there's a a lot of things screaming at me, George, and I'm finally starting to put it together. You know, I wasn't on the gold train. um, And after listening to so much content over the weekend, I'm kind of realizing that what's going on in gold might be front running, you know, the social unrest that we're going to see on our television screens more than it is about, you know, the Russia-Ukraine confrontation and being a little flight to quality while that's going on. I think gold is pricing in future civil unrest due to these commodity prices and food prices raging, um, and probably the fact so, that.
0: So, a so, Tony, so, I have to, I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. This is yeah, a, you, that's what people love when I interrupt. Go so, ahead. it also gives you a chance to rest. So, yeah. a good friend, Michael Guyad, I, I, I you, So, this is about optics. I know here, I need you to weigh in on this. I think, I think in Mount Gox, and anyone else who wants to speak on this, I think Tony needs an image consultant. So Tony, you're kind of like a middle-aged Caucasian from Atlantic Beach, and by the way, look up above, please, at the title of the room. I think I got that right. Atlantic Beach is that the way you want me to refer to you? So anyway, then, you're a middle-aged Caucasian from Atlantic Beach, and you're just not relevant. So I think you need to take a picture <laughs> out of Michael Guyad's book, and he's got those. He does. He doesn't have laser eyes in. He's got. You know that funky thing. You got to go look at his at his at his uh, avatar. Whatever you call it. He's got lumber, like gold eyes. Oil. In there. He's lumber, got gold lumber. eyes in there. So Tony. Go ask Gaia how he did it, and find ask one of your kids how to do it. Oh, you, like need to put, you need to you need to put gold eyes, and that could be a standing joke between Gaia and you. All right, I think right. gold eyes. You, yeah. Tony, Tony, we have to rebrand you. Okay. Yeah, that Irrelevant. might be it,
1: George. Irrelevant.
2: <laughs> that might be it—a a facelift, a new haircut, and a rebranding. Yeah. Sounds yes. like My, My,
1: Michael had one one barrel of oil and one uh, two by four sticking out of each eye.
0: Tony don't don't worry we're not going to ask you to we're not going to we're not gonna ask you to be woke and go broke if you could just put the gold eyes in we'll, we'll, we're good we're good George um, you
2: got it you got it man
0: all right so, so, so no but seriously yeah could you could you talk about you, you know, this this point that I raised and you seized on So sort of the integration of the charts you know trade what you see not what you think but not just in lobotomized you know complacent fashion it's like does it make any sense like How is the market speaking to you? And when you were talking about how over the weekend you listened to a lot of things or read a lot of things, it kind of made sense. And, you know, whether it's people realizing, oh, wait a second, keeping, you know, oh, the Russians had all these hundreds of billions of dollars in the U.S. Swift system. And wait a second, now they can't get their hands on on it? (coughs) You know, know, wait a second. You mean maybe this is going to be when finally the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and do I dare say the Europeans? who are rooting for the loss of U.S. dollar hegemony, maybe this comes together and maybe the dollar's not the ticket anymore. I mean, these are kind of like soft observations. Um, you know, maybe gold is, you know, is, 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 is the law, as much as our maxi friends would like to say it's a store of value, Most pat- you know, Bitcoin patently is not, gold certainly is. And maybe the idea that, Tony, you're old enough to remember when, okay, I think you. I don't know if you were at Goldman or where you were in 07, 08, But I had a monster year in '07 because I had the old Texas hedge on. I had I had two sides of the same coin. I was market neutral, Tony. Don't spit out your coffee. <laughs> I was I, I I was long stuff. Uh, I was long stuff, which you know basically had the drill for it. I owned it. All right, as Dennis Garton would say, if, if if you had if you dropped it on your foot and it hurt, I owned it. And the flip side was I was short credit. All right, so. All the banks, brokers, Goldman, etc. All right, and I mean that was like uh, run a hedge fund. I shouldn't, I shouldn't really talk about my past four, months. but let's just say it was one of the best years of my career. And to me, Tony, sort of this, and I haven't been drinking yet. I open open ice bottle Italian wine later. And by the way, we will come for another lunch this time. We're going to a dinner so we can drink. Nice. Um, To me, it kind of feels like, and maybe you can put the charts together because I think you're going to tell me technically it looks right. You know, what's better than owning oil stocks to all my Canadian oil mafia guys, which, by the way, Tony, I think there's a T-shirt on the way to you. Um, What's better than owning Canadian oil stocks, uh, owning energy stocks? It's being long energy and short arc. All right. This is is a market neutral trade in quotation marks. All right. So in similar fashion, it just kind of feels to me. And people are sick of hearing about, you know, long energy, short arc. By the way, in the last three months, that trades up 100%. And I think it's going to go another hundred percent this year. And I'd like you to look at that chart for me, because it's, it it just drills into a lot of macro concepts. And The technicals to me are lining up as well. Goal, all right. But but the other trade, a newbie, you know, am I diverse? Hey, Mr. Greer. Yeah. So Tony, uh, I, this hi, this is George from White Plains calling. I'm a first time caller. <laughs> um, I'd like to know. Uh, I'm 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 long the XOP and I'm short the ARKK. And then the other spread trade I have on from that nice man, George Noble, in his spaces, uh, I'm long gold and I'm short the XLF. I'm short financials. Am I diversified? What do you say to that last trade, Tony, being long gold and shorting financials, kind of like the t- two opposite sides of the same coin. This kind of speaks to the definancialization. The, you know, we've had excessive over-financialization in, in this economy. We've also gone from, the real to the surreal from the short duration to the long duration from, you know, what's in the ground into the metaverse. And by the way, if anybody wants to come up, and I we had one the other day, I can't remember what what room it was in. Someone was talking, talking about mortgages in the metaverse. Oh, that's good business. What could possibly go wrong? But anyway, Tony, what do you think about, you can tell I'm on fire today, I'm really fired up. What do you think about sort of, you know, long the gold against short financials? Because I think part of this whole thing is, you know, financials, what's what, what starting out me as a commodities thing becomes a liquidity thing, maybe becomes a credit thing. The toilet's going to back up all onto the financial sector. And if I put my macro hat on, I say, well, the days, the Davos crowd is not going to allow it to happen. They'll print more money, despite what they're saying right now. This too shall change. Point being that, you know, if the world doesn't come to an end, we're going to have much higher inflation. And um, so I kind of like gold against the financials. What would you say to that, Tony, or is that being too clever by half?
2: You know, no, no, no. I would on, on this side of the reaction to Russia. I, I couldn't agree more, George. And, and I, I only say that because, you know, it's not until we started pushing all the Russian stuff into CDS, you know, explosion territory um, that that trade started to pan out. I, I may have faded that um, prior to, you know, like I said, the the, the financial reaction to Russia, um, but the financial reaction to Russia happened, and so you have to consider that the banks are going to be in trouble. I mean, look at the European Bank Index. Um, it has fallen from 120 to 70 in about, I mean, you know, it, it, this year, just call it, right? So it's off, whatever, 100, almost 100%. And um, yeah, they're, they're technically on their back. I'm not smart enough to figure out where the defaults lie. I don't doubt with, uh, what you say, though, that it's all going to wash up in the financial sector. I would rather have the short in the financial space, excuse me, in the uh, tech space just by, you know, I think that that's got more, more downside. And I think that, you know, I I put it this way. I just think that those are Jaguars that have fallen from the tree. Whereas financials may be a little bit tougher to fight going down. That's all. And I could be wrong
0: on that. I I have no. Tony, Tony, I love it. You know, what's funny. It's kind of like, you know, stay with a girl you got, right? Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's what it is. And it's, you know, I'm getting kind of bored of Kathy, you know. So yeah. I'm kind of like, no. Yeah. Kathy keeps Kathy keeps putting out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. We are we are setting new standards of, of, of decadence with this one. But what the hell? Let it rip. But no. But seriously, you know this whole this whole Ukraine thing has distracted attention from the main event, the existential, you know, shifting of the tectonic plates where she's she, she's just going to get totally hosed. I mean, I Tony, mean, let me ask you this. just Forget about the macro now. You just look at the chart of a, ARKK or maybe a better assignment. Like when you go through, I'm sure you're familiar with most of her names. aren't that many. So whether you look at the chart of ARKK, and, you know, when it was 120, I said 60. Now I'm saying 30. Whether you look at the chart itself or you just go through, you know, the top 10 or 20 names and you kind of put them together or whatever, couple of questions A is there anything to buy remotely in her in her sandbox and then B whether you do it from the bottom up or just looking at the overall chart of the ARKK where, where could you see ARKK going to? Just look at the chart. Forget about the macro narrative.
2: Yeah, I'm 40 bid. You know, if I was short, I'd be 40 bid to cover and I, I'd be fine with that move. Um, looking at the, you know, membership, at, you know, I, I mean, I remember the last time I checked, I guess there was so many stocks that were just, you know, I mean, you know the story, George, Lee, you know, illiquid stocks that had already curled over and you're reading her, um, you know, you're reading her filings and she's adding to these names and they're illiquid and you're like, oh, okay, let's just set it ticking time bomb here um and the time bomb is imploding now so i mean i would be 40 bid to cover some just because the uh arc spent 2018 2019 and most of 2020 um you know uh, bobbling around 40 bucks so it makes sense for me to take some off the table at that level <laughs> but, but i'm not sure that it stops there yeah i know i hear you laughing at me because you don't
0: Tony, think it stops there. Tony, Tony, man, i love you i know this you put that disclaimer at the end
1: 40 bits to cover. Some. You didn't You got to have a disclaimer. You got to have a disclaimer.
2: Absolutely. That's how you trade that. Are you kidding me? You don't let some ride if you're short from here. I mean, that's a Jaguar that's going to fall from the tree and hit the ground. You know, I mean, if if my thesis on the year is right, George, that's my point. All of this money is going to have to come out of technology because it's out of favor and they don't know it yet. Right. right. Some of the money is going to be smart money. It's going to go right into national resources. Some is going to be dumb money and get recycled across whatever sectors of the S&P and it's not going to work out for them. You know, so that that's how I feel. At the,
0: so, the so, so so as so, so is, is, is those of you follow me on Twitter, most of you do, we wouldn't be in here. As you're aware, I got into kind of a big dust up uh, the last day or two calling certain people out on Twitter. And uh, it wasn't done deliberately in terms of uh, trying to fuck <laughs> people up. But it's trying to, and if anyone wants to come up here and has issue with me, that's fine. I'm just for truth, and I'm sick of the bullshit, and and the fraud, and the posturing, the lying that goes on on Twitter, and it's just outrageous. I mean, the shit that people say, like you'd be in fucking jail if you worked at a real firm. Yeah. And and I I just, I just won't have that. People say, well, you know, he got all his other picks right. Who the fuck writes writes notes like that? Okay. And they go, well, it's just a game. Just a game. Fuck you, or not you, but fuck him, all right? At any rate, so, Tony, one of the things I want to ask you about, um, I don't know why you just triggered me. Um, you talked about, the, I love the way you put it, the shit's out of favor, they just don't know it yet. I actually think, and, and you know how this works, Tony. I mean, we're, we're, you, you dig a big hole for yourself at the start of the year. Yeah. And, and you look at the tectonic place shifting. And all. I want to speak about, and I don't want to, I'm not picking on Tiger Global, in particular, although I wish I was one tenth as wealthy as those guys are, but more, but more from the standpoint of you know whether it's Melvin Capital, Tiger Global, cold Two, Well Rock, it's all the same crap, right? Yep. And all this stuff, you know, it's long duration, illiquid crap, um, and, and, and it's kind of like you know they were just marketing up themselves as they went along. And index buying is the biggest momentum trade out there, and now you see the Fang generals breaking down. Mm. And forget about the next week or month. And you may say, George, you're going too far. I don't know. But I actually think this is going to be the year of epic blowups in hedge fund land. And in particular, those guys who had a free ride on this long duration trade, all right, are going Mm. to get absolutely destroyed. All right. Mm. I note with interest. I note with interest. Tiger Global reopen for new money. (laughs) I wonder why that is, right? So you got all these unicorns, and I've lost count. Maybe someone smart in the audience can 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 guess uh, the number. These hundreds of unicorns which are worth over billions of dollars—they're uh, not going to be if they, if they need money, they're not going to be able to get it, or they're only going to get it at seriously down rounds. And I think when the redemptions come, there's only going to be one problem: who are they going to sell to? Now, I'm not worried about the end of this quarter. This shit all just happened, as you say. Um, these stocks are out of favor, and people don't know it yet. But as the year wears on, Tony, and if you're half right about how you think the market's going to play out, I think we could completely be looking at a complete wipeout, complete and utter wipeout in some of the the mighty and glorious in this, you know, sort of fang trade that's gone on for for years and years. And and, and the posers, the mutual funds, and the index funds for that matter. Keep in mind, Tony, that's something I want to ask you about. I I talk too much, I know. But, you know, Last year, you saw more money coming to equity funds than the prior 19 years put together. Yeah, and it's all index bullshit. It bit up all that fan crap, right? And to me, it's kind of like you know, in, index indexation. It's the biggest Momo trade out there. So, there's a lot to unpack. I know, but just thoughts on you know, to in, 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 as uh, in, as they would say on uh, ESPN, it was a Chris Berman, you know, Tiger Globe, you know, Kathy Kathy Woods could go all the way. Okay, yeah. like, like like this shit. This shit could go end zone. So, so help well. me here a little bit, Tony. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, George, i got to talk you off the ledge a little, right? Now, I, I don't disagree that there could be some blow-ups this year, but if you're talking about, you know, you're really talking about the best and brightest funds out there, right? Quote, unquote. Th- th- those are the guys or whatever that everybody in the hedge fund industry wants to go work for, and I understand that. I mean, you Wait, know. Wait, did so- you say
0: best and brightest? Did you just say the luckiest guys who raised the, the most momentum, who had the best momentum going for them? Go on. Sorry.
2: All right, it's a combination. Okay, fair enough. It's a combination, but my point is this. It's like, George, this writing is on the wall and if these guys aren't picking it up and figuring out how to adjust rather than risk extinction you know what i mean like that's something that's unacceptable and i'm not sure how many i don't, I don't want to bet on the funds blowing up i want to bet on their positions blowing yeah, up. Okay, like,
0: okay as is my one i always overstate the case okay but if you're melvin capital just to pick on him because the numbers are well known and you've done such a big hole for yourself all right yeah OK, like you, you you get up off the floor and then he slugs you again. OK, you're not getting up. OK, well, like, I got a comment. I got a, I got a comment to that. The, You
2: know, the, put it this way, George. You've seen my view matrix. You see how I'm positioned. You see how I came in positioned on January 1st. Right. It's working out very well. I'm short queues. I'm short retail. I'm short social media. I'm long the freaking kingdom and natural resources stocks. I've been selling into this rally, trimming into this rally. And now I'm a fucking nervous wreck that there's something that i'm missing and i came in with the right positions and i'm crushing it on the year so far and i'm still like oh my freaking god like how am i gonna get into this trade now you know what i mean so how do you get in if you're down 25 percent on the year that's my only comment i know
0: and what the problem is what the problem is it's sort of like you're street wise it's like how am i gonna get screwed you're looking over his shoulder you know let me find let me find the next resource trade no, there is nothing to replace resources. Let me find the <laughs> next thing better than Kathy with the short. No, there's nothing better. Than the short. Right now, there may be right. friends and cousins that come along for the ride. So now you're going to have consume. You're going to have the consumer stocks and the housing stocks and the financial stocks joining Kathy on the elevator ride down.
1: Yeah, but you know, the point George, is just getting bigger is what you're saying. Yeah, George. Tony makes a great point though. You know, it's, the gyrations are so massive right now that this thing could like go one way or the other quick. And if you're short this market, if you're short these tech stocks. You're short these uh, high flyers. I mean, or the previous high flyers, that could be problematic. So, oh yeah, I I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: And that's uh, no. Yeah. And and, and by the way, by the way, I hate overused phrases. Oh, this is another one of my pieces. I'm gonna go on a rant now. Rant warning. Okay. I hate fucking overused phrases. All right. They're all over the place. All right. Like if I, if anyone in this room, we have to have a rule. Nobody for the next two hours is allowed to use the word iconic all right i will throw you out right away okay if i hear the fucking phrase abundance of caution okay that's the new cnbc okay okay so it is because Cush, of, an cautiously abundance of
1: optimistic, cautiously okay. optimistic.
3: So, so, tony, hey guys
0: no tony I... it's only because of an abundance of caution that i'm not being a pig and you're not being a pig all right but it's like you know you know how like when things go too far like you can make one or two mistakes you're either like you know you can leave the party early Right, and then you find out after you left it got really good. Everyone's taking off their clothes and shit was happening. Right, okay. or or you can stay too late, and what happens? The cops show up, you're busted, you're on the front page of the New York Post with a paper bag over your head and you're in handcuffs, and your hands over your head. Right, yeah. so so you can make one or two mistakes. The problem is, I usually leave too early. Do you tend to leave early or stay too long, Tony?
2: Uh, early. Uh, I'm an early guy. I, I know that uh, I usually, you know, I pride myself, George, on not being around for the slide because I've been around for the slide. I know what it feels like and I know how to get a sniff for that coming. And so it's like, I, you know, I keep I get to these points where, you know, it's kind of tighten up the stops kind of thing. And everything comes right up close to the market. And I have no problem if I feel like I'm in a crowded trade saying, yeah, we're a little bit off the best, uh, you know, we're a little bit off of my high water mark, but that's how all my trades go. So sell this right. now before the slide comes. And right. so that's, that's always my thing. I'm always enough to, I'm always happy to leave a little bit of profit on the table because I don't want to be the one that's long it when it's down 12% and it's obvious everybody's got to be out. That's where we are. All right. All right. I'm going hey, qu- to ask, can, no.
0: oh, George, okay, can I
4: say something here? Just no, no,
0: minute. you can't. It's my room. I'm going to ask one question. Then we're going to open up the questions. So Tony, we had our good mutual friend Tommy Thornton in the room the other day, and he yeah. rightly pointed out with the sentiment index at 96 on on oil, blah blah blah. It's like you can't do it here. Like it may go up, but you just can't do it here. It's like he wants a trade to come to him, all right, not the other way around. And I'm just kind of curious, like if you were starting a new firm tomorrow, someone said, "Okay, here's 100 million bucks, right? Okay, you got you gotta. I can't use that phrase. Put money to work. It's another one of those phrases I can't stand. Okay." You got to get you got to get invested, all right. So just for everyone in the room, forget about your legacy positions. Forget about you're a smart guy and you got it right on January first. Mister Market doesn't. No one doesn't care about your, your legacy positions. New client, hundred million. What are you doing? You're going all in. You're just going to put ten percent out there. You're going to go cautiously. You're going to wait for the entry point. I mean, you know, I agree with Tommy Thornton. I mean, chasing something was in the DSI. Daily sentiment index at 96 is just not a good way to roll. So what would you do, Tony?
2: Yeah, no, I put it this way. I've I've got uh, my tactic is, yes, I'm definitely bidding below the markets now. As I mentioned, I've seen a bunch of Icarus prints on the screens today, meaning, you know, the ones that flew too close to the sun, they gapped open higher, they ended the day negative. You know, there's a little bit of weight that can come in here and you can buy things cheaper at some point. Now, at the same time, alongside that set of bids below the market, I've got my egg timer. And the egg timer has got a timer on it. And every three, four, five sessions go by that I don't get hit. I have to take that lowest bid and make it, you know, and move it to the top and say, okay, that lowest bid you can forget about. Bring one closer to the market. And the egg timer goes on again. And if I don't get hit there that, you know, because you got to get into this market, you don't really know. This could go straight up for six months without there Girl, being so, much so, of a pullback. So,
0: so, so, so you basically, it sounds like a trailing stop is kind of what you're using?
2: It's a trailing stop with, you know, and then once you start buying it, you want to pyramid as best you can. But like I said, everything, all the bids have got to have egg timers on them because if you don't get it, things are going to get farther away from you. And there are certain markets right now that they may get away from you and not come back for six months. And so you'll be shit out of luck standing there watching this trade that you try to get into go right by your whole face. And there's no point in doing that. I mean, we're here to trade. The market's open, right? And
0: and, and, and one last question. I keep going more question. Just on the way up, like the tech thing, you know, last year is relentless on the way up. It never really let you in, Mm. you know. Yep. So what to your point, I mean you're saying there's a chance like this market may never let you in if you're waiting for the big pullback in energy and materials?
2: Yeah, I do. I you know, I tell you, look at look at nickel. Does nickel look like it's going to settle back into a range, George? You know what I mean? Like nickel is gone forever now, man. I mean, it's going to be years before that settles back into prices that we've been watching for the last 5 years. You know, this this, this change, calculus on it. a lot of things. All right. So,
0: All right, but, so now we got a questions, oh, we are going to oh so I'm going to have over here Speak first. He's got a question. If not, we're going to do Mark Newman, and then Schmuckatelli, and then uh, capitalism. So, uh, oh, here you got something for Tony. You're good. You want to let, let Mark go for it?
1: Yeah, I'll let him go. But let's just I, I got one thing I just wanted to tell uh, say to Tony. I think that's fantastic. That that train of thought is fantastic. I think people need to listen to kind of refreshing words from from uh, you know a seasoned veteran like yourself. I, I I completely agree with most of everything you said. Let me just ask one quick question with regard to precious metals mining stocks. You had uh, just just said basically that if you don't get on board now, you may be waiting a while. And I have a feeling that uh, this, the precious metals mining stock space—I think that's one of those areas mm-hmm. much like the energy space, everybody's now hopping on board. You know, trying to catch that late train. You know.
2: Yep. Well, I put it this way. I I I'm, I'm going to say that I I still believe, you know, gold gold miners look way better now, so I'm not going to fight you there. Industrial miners to me though, the story is a lot more compelling and they just divide very clearly to me in terms of what those trades are pursuing. Right? And and so if I'm pursuing the gold trade, then that means in the miners that I'm pursuing stagflation and I'm pursuing the, you know, that actual um You know, having to own gold if there's unrest bubbling up. So I think that that's what I'm long gold for. If I'm going to be long metals and mining, man, I'm long that as we, you know, pivot the center of, um, you know, economic gravity from the energy space. Um, to the US, you know, which used to be in the US, which is now getting taken out of the picture to the metal space, which is everything that China and Russia own. And so that's where the, you know, they're trying to make metals the center of the necessity pool for the commodity trade now. And so that's why, you know, XME feels all the more pressing. And if anything, the my last comment, I don't want to go on all day, but anything, you know, the same guys that have been long gold miners for the last 30 years, they're still long gold miners. Mex XME yeah, yeah. metals and mining. Nobody's got them. That's, yeah. that's so 100 percent.
1: All
0: right. Yeah. So so before we go to the next question, for anyone who's interested, I mean Tony, and again, I'm I'm doing this because he's a friend and he's a font of wisdom. Um, you know, no commercial relationship, but teaching macro, he's always looking for new new customers. So if you're interested, you know, contact him. Uh, you know, well worth it. Strongly recommend. Um, thank you for that endorsement. Yeah, George. and, really and, and you know probably he's gonna yell at me but I'm I'm gonna say Tony will probably give you the Twitter spaces Gino will discount if you if you if you, if you, you know operators standing by until 12 o'clock midnight this this is limited time offer only okay all you right got
2: it George you got right. it so, right. so I'll make so let's good on, on that because you're let's, a good man. Let's move
0: on so we're gonna do we got some really smart cookies speaking now we got uh, my good friend Mark Newman who has a who, who who's a, a sell sider. been around a long while he's a veteran of Japanese bear market. He was in this room a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mark, I don't think you were in the room, but I read anonymously your daily comment today. I thought it was brilliant. And then we're going to go to uh, three aces and then we're going to do schmuckatelli. So Mark, good to see you. What's up, man. Mark, you there? Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself, Mark. There you go. Okay. You got go. it. So I,
5: I just uh, appreciate the time as always George. Um, I just wanted to touch on something that uh, Tony was hitting on earlier and, you know, uh my you know so you you asked him i think what would you do at this stage and tony's concern is that things have gotten a little heated and he's sort of waiting lower you know one of the things um, my folks have always done is what we call schmuck insurance right so you're riding that long that you've been riding forever or for not forever whatever your duration is but forever for you and you say okay it's had an amazing run whatever it is oil today okay up at 120 125. that's to me where instead of taking some off and walking away is I will sell the stock and I'll buy the calls. And I'm not saying that I'm buying cheap calls uh, volatility wise or you know at the end of the move it's overbought, whatever, but I want to have those options on in case I don't so I don't look like a schmuck in case yeah. it keeps going higher. And now obviously I've gone from Delta one to Delta less than one. so if it goes down, I get less long. That's my way of staying in these trades. And yeah, it gaps up, big winner, okay? If it fades, I took my full delta one off and I have tiny deltas on there and then it rolls down to my level where I want to buy more, right? So that's a way of staying in these trades. And look, I think it works on the short side. Tony said it about ARKK, right? He's short here, let's say. Okay, gets down to whatever level, cover your short, just buy a put. Now they're not going to be expensive. They're not going to be cheap volatility wise they're going to be expensive but if Tony picks that level and maybe 40 I looked I think it's like a Fibonacci retrace or whatever um maybe it gets there and then you buy the puts and it might rally okay if it gaps lower you're still long those puts so it's sort of a way of sort of staying in that trade without risking all that you have made right and I think that's a good way to yeah. sort of like you said don't feel like a schmuck And then, um, you know, the one other thing we didn't, I've been hearing here about the energy and the commodities. I do think that it's right. Like if Kathy would today, I think she said, I I got it wrong on oil. That could be where the top is short term. Okay. But I think some of us in this room, I know I uh, believe this, if these energy stocks come in further, um, come in at all, they're not coming in yet, but if they do, I want to probably be a buyer and I don't necessarily recommend selling puts to anybody because it's a risky thing and you got to know what you're doing. But to me, the target purchase of whether it's an Exxon Mobil or a Laredo Petroleum or whatever, you know, if, if these things stay, if oil stays bid like I think it should or would, um, I probably want to be selling some puts in these names where I'm not long enough. And it's just a way of sort of collecting some income, waiting around, and finding a target price where I'm a buyer. Now, look, I wouldn't be shorting puts in the index, right? I wouldn't be shorting puts in the queues, right. but it's a place where you can pick a, a spot and say, I don't know, X, LPI. I mean, I'm involved there. It's a really great name. Like maybe I'm a 75 buyer. It's a volatile name, so maybe it's lower, but that's a way of sort of being there waiting to get longer in these names. Now, it it could not return. Sure. Like it couldn't come down to that strike price and it could stay bid. Yeah, that's fine. But at least I'm collecting that income along the way. And again, I have an underlying position. So that's just levels where I'd add more in these names. Um, And then the last thing I just want to talk about quickly. And I know, I know. Sorry, Mark,
0: I'm just trying out my Mad Money soundboard. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Uh, But the other thing is George was saying no, 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 no adages in the chat. And I just I, I, you know, two things. One, George taught me this a long time ago, a long time ago. To know and not act is not to know. I'm sorry, but that's one George gave me a long time ago. And I'll tell you, it's okay to not know. It's okay to sort of be like, what the freak is going on in these markets? I can't figure it out. It's okay. It's not okay to throw money into the market on a whim because – you don't know or because you just like, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so okay Mark, to not know. And okay to step back and say, when I know more, I'll play more.
0: That's but fine. Mark, but, okay, okay. So Mark, so schmuck insurance. Okay. So I know, or at least I think I know. And I think most of the smart people this from know that, you know, Ark is going to get cut in half from here. Now it's oversold. Yada, yada, yada. Oh. It's below the moving. <coughs> options, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like I will slip my wrists. If Arc gets cut in half, and because I'm not paying attention, I overtrade it. I wind up not making any money, being short Arc between now and the end of the year. So I'm going to ask Tony first, and then Mark second. Tony, how do you? How do you? If your core belief is that Arc's going to go down, or energy's going to go up, I mean, do you do the Schmuck insurance thing that Mark was saying, or what would you do right here, right now, Tony?
2: Uh, I actually, in, in, in this particular case, I like Mark's strategy of uh, sacrificing some capital to get anchored. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, I haven't looked at arc volatility, so that I'm sure that it's puffed out at some level, but it seems to me like buying a put to just, you know, anchor yourself. It, you know, it is, you know, like to say, like you said, if you, if you said to know and not act is to not know, then his strategy is perfectly acceptable. It's not my particular taste only because I'm not as comfortable with options as he is. And that's not how my book is designed. Yeah. Like, yeah. So- sounds like a totally plausible way. To, right. Okay. Like, so, you know, Tony, get
0: yeah, so Tony, since you want to screw with it with the, with the, with the options, what would you do? You would just be sure no matter no matter if it's up or down, you'd always want to have a little bit on the sheets. Just so you know, so you're participating. You don't forget about it, and and what get I, bigger, get bigger when when it, when it backs up against you and gets smaller, and when it has a whoosh. Like what would you do?
2: Yeah, it's definitely plotting that out, George. We've been, you know we've traded through bear markets before, and you don't want to be the guy that you know barfs out your first short leg into a hole. And now that's the first day of the you know intensely steep, short duration short covering rally because you really you don't know you don't ever know when those are coming. Those are often you know driven by absolute sentiment, you know, getting red lines right, and we're, we're getting close to that now. So you know it, it's a really difficult choice to make. So, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely being patient. Put it this way. If I'm shorting tech, I know that there's going to be some kind of a retrace. At the very worst, I'm waiting for, you know, one or two green – or sorry, call it two or three green days in a row. That I can wait for. Right. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, 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 okay, so so I'm really glad we got two really sharp guys here. I'm going to – same question for both of you. So Mark and Tony, because you're both market animals. So we know, we expect that you know, it could come a time any day, where ARK's up 10% energy's down 10% because there's rumors of a ceasefire or Putin gets taken out or God knows whatever. All right. But you take a look at, you know, the rally we had, it seems like ancient history now, um, off the January and in, in January lows, you were for two or three weeks, but it really was pretty piss poor. Yeah. And, you know, bear market rallies come with the territory. John Roke's not in the house, but, you know, Rokey put out that great thing where he went back and did the calculation from – March of to October, sorry, March of 2000 to October of 2002, 649 trading days. If I got it right, and 306 or 46 percent of the days the market was up, even with tech going down 80 percent. You had 10 rallies of over 15 percent, 15 rallies of over 10 percent. So, yeah, how do you deal, with Tony and Mark, with the concept of you don't just want the strategic view. You obviously got to get that right, but the tactical, i.e. Isn't it better to maybe just, like, don't shorten the hole? I've done that a million times, okay? And just wait. Wait for the trade to come to you, okay? So you may have to wait a little bit, little while. And, and and also, there's also a place of psychological capital because there's nothing worse than the market forcing you to do something, like you're getting margin called and you got to cover or whatever, right? So what do you think of the idea of just these bear market rallies will inevitably come and just wait? And, I I mean, I have FOMO. I am lusting for Kathy, okay? I have FOMO on the downside. All right. But you just got to hold. You just got to resist it. Just say no to FOMO and just wait for that inevitable backup rally to come and, and then go against it. Because because if you're if you're right, in the, if the conviction or conviction is correct and you have both the tactical trade in your favor and you got the strategic view in your favor, then it's a win win. So, I don't know, Tony and then Mark. George, what do you yeah. think?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll speak to that just real quick and then I'll hand it over to Mark because I'm interested to hear what he has to say. I will just add one thing to this is that you usually can know that this ferocious bear market rally is actually a bear market rally by what's leading it. And like you said, you mentioned this snapback rally off the January lows. You know what led that rally, George? It was all the garbage. It was all the, it was software first, which went down first software led home builders bounced because they were oversold from the rate move and and fang stocks. And so to me, I mean, I wrote about it. I was like, well, look at the leadership here. It's everything that's down the most on the year. So at least you can dissect that. And that gave you confidence to say, oh, yeah, have some here at the moving averages. So that's how I like to approach it. And I'm done. I really like that, Tony. Mark, what do you say?
5: Yeah, you know, I was just going to sort of sort of echo what Tony said a little bit there in the fact that the leaders are the generals are dead. They're gone. They're gone. There's no more of them. So, like, let's talk about any of these Tiger Global, Co. Two whatever. They're marks on these privates. Like you said it earlier, George. Where are they going to raise their capital when they when they need a source of funds to make a collateral call for those shit marks they're going to get on these privates? They're not selling, they're not selling a stock that doesn't trade. They're selling Apple. They're selling Microsoft. It's liquid. They could raise a billion dollars in a day. So that's why there's pressure here now going forward. And it's one of those things, like Tony says, okay, bounce up. And like for me, last couple few days, week or two, it was like, okay, if, if, if ESH2 can't get 4,400 on a close, that's another lower high. So it didn't happen. And now I'm like, well, 4,200, well, we're below that. That's a new low close. So nothing's really changed here in the bear trend, right? And so I've been reading a lot lately, old books, and I'm looking at Bernie Baruch, one of my heroes, and I read his little thing on when to short, make sure there's a full, there's a full bear trend in place. Well, feels like he got that. I don't know. Yeah, it's not a bull trend right now. So the one thing he talks about is this continuity of bullish thought and how hard it is once it's ingrained to get rid of. And now George you highlighted it with that little um that little uh YouTube clip of Mark Zuckerberg's sister or whatever when you wave your f u middle finger at the market? <laughs> It's a problem. The market does not yep. like that. I've been doing this a long time. And the minute you think you're God, the minute you think uh, – the minute your ship comes in and you got the stock market beat, the caddy chat, you're done. It's game over. Yeah. So we've seen it. The Island Boys, the NFTs, Matt Damon's shilling crypto. I mean in 10, 5 years, 3 years, we're all in these people in this in this chat, or this space are going to be like, what were the signs? And we're like, yep. we talked about all these signs. for like, yep. you need someone to slam you over the head and someone come with a real
1: sign? The bear market started. That's not going to happen. There, there's yeah, no one always, posting that. Yeah. Mark, so I just think. That, go ahead. Sorry. So go no, ahead. I was just going to say I would add uh, what Tony said. What you're saying is absolutely 100 percent true. I think one of the things that a lot of these pe- a lot of people in these rooms, you know, most people are trained and conditioned to look at the indices. They'll watch CNBC or Bloomberg or they'll get on their uh, phone and whatever uh, uh, app they're using. They're looking at the indices. They're looking at the Dow, the S and P, the uh, the Nasdaq. Uh, so they're looking at indices. What they're not looking at is what Tony was referring to and what you're talking about, which is underlying. Look at the sectors. Look at the individual names that have led and the ones that are lagging. And a lot of people just don't do that. They look at the indices. They see a five, 600-point rally, and they think, oh, told you so. we got to buy. So right. let's take that a little deeper. Let's take that a little deeper for a 2nd got to dig deep. For the right. last few
5: years, uh, more than a few, uh, more a couple, a handful, it's been this passive money coming to the market the stock pickers have gotten destroyed and everyone looks over their shoulders and said, oh, my neighbor's taking in 100 million today and he's just putting it to work. And if I don't put mine to work in this 20 times sales dog shit, I'm losing to that guy. And that's part of this thing, as you say, they're watching CNBC, they're watching the indices because I'm long all these ETFs, I've never picked a stock in my life. But now you have everyone piling into these indices when the pieces of the, the, the market of stocks versus the stock market, right? There's a ton of stocks that are bear market already, and now it's just a matter of time. Uh, Apple gave its 100-day, what, last week or something, and now someone asks me, what's my favorite short? It might be Apple, a, because everyone's going to use it as a source of funds. It's massively over-owned, and if you're wrong, you can get out in a second. It's not going up to 200 tomorrow, and you're wrong on your short of Apple, so it's like these big liquid mega caps the leadership has turned and tony hit it i'm telling you the, the we don't we are a leaderless market or yeah the new lead, the new leaders are fcx and ExxonMobil. so whatever it is the 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 continuity of bullish thought is still here the fomo bt dip guys they're still dumping it jumping in here and who's selling well probably those big hedge funds and definitely the insiders so i it's like a sleep on their feet and as that that, that commenter just pointed out everyone watches the indices and watches CNBC, but like the single names are, there's a lot of action here. The next few years are the year, of the, years of the stock picker. I'm convinced. I'm going
0: to interrupt, then we're going to go to what, three Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I've talked enough today. Thank uh, you so uh, much, no, Yeah, Sorry, you hang around. People love hearing you. And by the way, I just want to let you know, Tony and Mark, you're breaking the internet because I just noticed, Tony, we've got, I think, 850 people in the room. Nice. It's your, it's your name in yeah. the lights. Usually we get around 5,000 in total with all people listening to replays and everything, but this is one of the bigger rooms I've seen in a while, and it ain't because of my scintillating personality. So congrats to you, Tony. All ah, right, man. Thanks for having
6: us. All all right. Right. Yeah, thank well, you. That,
0: all right. Three aces. What's up, man? Three aces.
6: What's up, boys? Hey, Tony. Nice talking again. A um, couple of uh, observations and a question or two. Um, if you remember back to the Africa days when we were doing the conference calls there, uh, you know my my feeling about industrial metals. Um, So, yeah, so I I firmly believe at the 100 percent level that ESG is just a tool being used to transfer political and financial power from uh, a resource that China has no horse in the race, which are the hydrocarbons, to a resource that they own 100 percent of, which is the natural resource supply chain via the, the EV battery metals. So, you know. Given the context of that, um, I think the rush, the thing with Russia is sort of a uh, jacks for openers for what's coming next, unless these guys, you know, can unroot that that ESG fraud coming out of Davos. So ESG, I think that's ESG
5: what- is the main underlying cause that nobody knows about as to why Russia did what it did. I'll just yeah. say that for sure. It's it, it's it, on many levels, and I guys, I have more coming on this subject soon. I can't talk about it now, but I will. Can't wait.
6: That is phenomenal. Couldn't agree more. Do I get to go now, George, or no? Go ahead. Go ahead, Zane. Can you. I go, please? Okay. Yeah. Well, I this was, you know, so so basically, you know, couldn't agree more on the transfer of political and financial power, um, as driven by you know the Pawns, the Finks, and the East and the Davos, uh, you know, syndicate of uh, crime ink there. But um, so so that's the first thing, right? So so. So my thing is this, right? So if this is an everything bubble, which I think it pretty much is, uh, we've seen everything bubble up and pop. And then, you know, really, like you talked about nickel and things like that, you know, we sat there for damn near a decade, even more than five years um, in some of the stuff uh, in basically a bear market. So, you know, some part of what's happening now, notwithstanding the precious metals, I think it's just a a healthy reflation, reflation of that industry. However, um, if I look at Martin Pring and I look at some of the other business cycle folks out there, um, you know, they all pretty much say that, you know, commodities are the last to fall at the end of the business cycle. Now, it's hard to say that we've had a business cycle with all this Frankenstein-level distortion coming out of these these central banks. So it makes it a little difficult to do that analysis. But but my question is this, is when when I'm looking for stuff here, just the layman, and I know you're a former Goldman guy, rock star, I know your background, I've spoken to you before, you are the fucking man when it comes to trading <laughs> metals. But my question is this is, you know, if I look at lithium, for example, um, you know, lithium has gone straight up parabolically, similar to a nickel move, just not all in one day. Um, you know, how is it that these lithium stocks are down 40, 50, 60%? You know, and I look at various different things like that. And when I look at the big picture there, kind of all four corners of the room, you know, part of me wants to feel as much as bullish as I am on the metals, and you know, my industry and all that stuff. Um, You know, part of me wants to believe and and the question to you is, you know, is it possible that that what we're seeing here, um, you know, from an industry perspective, commodities being the industry, that this is just kind of the last part of the everything bubble, you know, inflation and popping because I'm not seeing it. If I look at, you know, uh, LAC, for example you know, which is a real $5 billion market cap, you know, uh, lithium company. It's down 55% for in, since November. If I look at SLI, it's down 60% and across the board. And then, you know, if this EV thing is such, is, is what it is and the commodities are what they are, um, you know, why is Rivian down 60%? Why is Lucid down 60%? Forget Tesla, we know that's garbage. So, so for my thing is the only thing that's helped keeping me from laying my head on my pillow at night And really kind of betting the ranch, as we say, you know, in the public markets, notwithstanding my private investments um, on this commodities trade is I don't see confirmation of it anywhere else. That's just me. Can you have a, a, a little bit of a song and dance there, please? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, sure. I absolutely do. Um, You know, and I want
2: to speak directly to your question where, you know, how, you know, lithium has been up in a straight line with the commodities and all of a sudden the ETF, the stocks, uh, you know, are are off big. Uh, I think that they are mirroring what we might have witnessed in the death of the European, you know, carbon capture trade, right? The the carbon credit trade, excuse me, you know, KRBN is off 36 percent. Since Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, I mean, now this this was a market that I had just been postured to say, "Oh, uh, lizard brain over here sees something going from the bottom left to the top and right of his screen. Lizard brain needs to be involved." So I'm tracking this thing, and now the whole ESG picture starts coming undone with the Russia. Um, Ukraine story, right? We've got we've got legacy commodity markets waking up, like your you know uranium and coal markets, etc. Nickel going berserk through this whole reaction, and the carbon credit market is soup sandwiching, right? Like this thing is coming apart, like it's a done. Uh, like the concept is over. So, you know, that speaks to the lithium trade. People saying, oh, maybe I'm too long and too optimistic. These um, electric batteries here. How the hell are we going to get that trade on the tape? So that's the only way that I could speak to that. And I, I, you know, I can't get with I try to avoid the everything bubble idea right now because man the bull market that we're seeing in metals is unprecedented in, in materials. I think there are probably there will probably be good corollary trades to that also. So I just don't want I, I can see several sectors of the S P being up massive magnitudes while um you know tech gets eviscerated. And to me that's just not an everything bubble popping. That's all I wanted to add and there's a, still nobody there, shape. Tony. And there's
6: still
5: yeah, nobody exactly. there, Tony. For, agreed. for sure
6: agreed. Agreed. You know, the other thing is, these Tony, these markets are so tiny, bro. I mean, look at tin. It's a 200,000 ton a year market. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, some of these things, they're just, I mean, you know, it's like versus copper, 22, 23 million tons. So any kind of real money coming into this stuff is just going to
2: blow it out, you know? I mean, think about KRBN trades, an average of half a million shares a day. I mean, how how much risk can you swing around in that thing? Right, right, uh,
0: yeah, right, so, so, totally. It, 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 so Tony, oh my God, Jesus Christ. We got Thornton in the room. We got Bobby Jay in the room. This room is, it's going to be a barn burner. So Tony, so Tony, let me ask you, I mean, I love this Caribbean thing, okay? And you know, a year ago, someone mentioned to ignored it, never heard of it. You know, then da, 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 it goes up enough, And, up, and it's like, oh, now I missed it. And then it's like, oh, piss, now I get angry at it because you motherfucker, you got to go down because I don't own you, right? It keeps going up and up and up. And all of a sudden, boom, yeah, 50 percent off sale. All right.
2: And there yeah. are a
6: lot of access
0: are trading like that. So what do you make? What do you make of that technical look, Tony?
2: Oh, man. You know, George, That they, they put it this way. You know, it was not an orderly pullback in the carbon credit market. Right. In K.R.B.N. It was it has been nothing you know, like orderly. It has actually rhymed with you know, the surprise level with which Russia invaded Ukraine, in my opinion, I wasn't expecting it to be this aggressive. Um, But, you know, look at look at it against the chart. Right. And it went from something that was trading in very orderly fashion, barely ever touched its hundred day moving average. Right. So if you got cute and bought the first dip to the 50 or 100 day moving average, you got blown out immediately. You know, so that was the first lesson of, oh, let's let's kind of let this thing slide and see what happens. Now it's the kind of thing where the day that it broke its 200 day moving average, it broke on such massive volume and such a massive magnitude move that you're like, ain't no way I'm sticking a bit into this thing right now. Because, Tony.
0: Right. Tony, you know what it is, Tony? It's just like crypto, because if you ask the people who own it, like, what does it do? Like, you know, yeah. what, what does it do? What's it worth? What are they going to earn? Like you can't get an answer from anybody. But but number go up. That's all that's all I'll tell you. What
2: does it it, do, George? It goes up. That's right. That's right. That's the way it behavior. behavior it becomes known for its behavior. And then so, you know, if you didn't if you are quick enough to catch that nuance, like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be buying the dip in carbon credits. Maybe carbon credits is over for good. Maybe ESG just got invaded and blown the fuck up. And so that there's a real possibility of that happening as you see the media and politicians try to pivot right into this and say, <laughs> oh, you know. Pe- yeah. So, Tony,
5: on that on that subject right there, that's part of the continent. Of bullish thought within ESG. That's right. 100%. Because on the day that Russia did that thing, Jen Psaki was like,
0: "This is why we need to redouble our renewables." What the fuck? No, no. That's you why not no, no, stop doing what you're doing. I have no, no, no. I have such a fucking dim view of society. I'm playing with you guys, okay? You know why I think it broke? You're gonna laugh, okay? Like, no amount of common sense is gonna make us change our policy. But oh, if Elon Musk says, maybe we should have a rethink. Because all the morons who follow him are like, oh, if Elon's thinking it. So I don't know. Wouldn't it be a real hoot, though, if a year from now, go back to your continuity of bullish thought, Mark, a year from now? You know, after, and, and we're not going to get into it. I don't want to take political sides here. I'm just going to make, make an observation. I am um, I happen to be an independent voter, just so everybody knows that, right? I think, and anyone wants to talk about this, is fine. My observation is, and I think the smart guys in the stage are going to agree with me, Most smart people I know agree with me. Regardless, even my Democrat friends, you're going to see a Republican landslide, the likes of which you've never seen before this summer, this fall. And maybe as part of that, when oil hits 200, wherever it's going, and you know, what is it, Mark or Tony? One of you guys told me, and I read it elsewhere. Like there's what 30 Democrats not running for re-election in the House. Yada yada yada. Okay, and then it's going to be, you know, our patriotic duty to put fucking holes in the ground and drill for more oil all right like wouldn't it be a hoot if a year from now we're like in exactly the opposite place so mark put that in your continuity of bullish thought pipe and smoke on it what do you say to that mark,
5: mark hold mean? on i just gotta laugh i gotta laugh look <laughs> here here's the thing no no so i i as i said i you george we've talked about this um I've been doing a, um, I I can't really talk excessively at this moment, but soon I can. I've been working on something about this, that whole three letter industry, okay? And, you know, smart people in this room, for sure. We've talked to a bunch of them. You know, you know what's going on here. What happens is there's um, just, there's just a general thought process. We know we're right, like, look, you cannot get to future energy without present energy. So nobody has thought about that in the sense of, oh, I want to retrofit my entire economy. After 120 years, <clears throat> Henry Ford and Rockefeller started the oil-based petro economy, petrol economy that ended like, you know, giving farm equipment ability to make, get rid of hunger. And now we're trying to, oh, let's just go to solar and batteries and wind and water. Okay. It's just not very thought out and, they're on this path. John Kerry on the first day Russia invaded Ukraine. Let's not forget about climate change. Oh yeah, that's what I wanna talk about, climate change while Putin's rolling into Ukraine because that's the first thing on my mind. But it's just really a lack of excessive planning and more like this theoretical idea that's we that we've been sold. And because money is free and money is printing, hey, oh, it only costs 5 trillion to retrofit everything? Oh, what a great idea. Just money, right? So there's a whole deeper-rooted situation, and the smart guy in Russia over there said, oh, these guys are relying on me for my energy and for the breadbasket in so, the Ukraine? Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, That's it. That's I the said, way it goes. Yeah, so Newman, I'm going to put you in the way-back machine, and I want you to talk about Japan. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else in this room who can authoritatively speak on Japan as you can or as I can, and now you look back on it now. It's a mind experiment, okay? Go back and look at those charts of Japanese bank stocks in the late 80s, you know, and 100 PEs and 10 times book and all the bullshit with, you know, and again, Mark, it's hard to believe we're this old. Most people, they won't won't know this. The Emperor's Palace in Tokyo was worth more than all the, than the entire state of California. You could look it up. This is fucking true. All right. I mean, they were buying everything everywhere. All right. They bought Pebble Beach. They bought Rockefeller Center, yada, yada, yada. Okay. But here's the point. Here's the point. You look back on it now and it's like wait a second. The Japanese market, you know, banks were on 100 times earnings and 10 times book and you know, we could go on and on and on about all the shit. You know, they were the guy, they were the top bid, you know, $100 million for Impressionist paintings, but $100 million is a lot of money. Yada yada yada, right? But as you were going They bought Pebble, through, Pebble Beach. Okay. So so Mark, I want you to translate continuity of, 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 of bullish thought into Japanese cuz going okay, through Okay, here it is. I got I got the
5: simplest one, George. Simplest go. one. Go. 8301 jp okay that is the bank of japan now in the us that would be the fed having a stock ticker okay so 8301 jp it doesn't really trade and it's just a little signal but that to me represents japan's finances right that's the bank of japan and so that thing in 89 versus now it it, it just constant one way okay so they're sort of on repeat insanity, if you will. And the amazing thing to me is their advisor in the nineties was Ben Bernanke. Okay. And to me, he's the guy in the, in the wings of the fed for the last 20 years. You know, obviously I don't remember when he actually stepped aside, but, um, but he's been the, he, it's been his playbook. They've been running. Japan ran his playbook too. 10 years. Right. right, right. So, so that to me, those are like the, you know, in the
0: fort, the view from 30,000 feet,
5: those are my two views.
0: Yeah, but, but Mark, the, the, what I, that, that's brilliant. But what, what strikes me is like, you know, if, if you were to say, oh, you know, like, okay, you got like, like arcs going to 40, you know, Tony's high bit, you can you know, mark, you're at 30, I'm at 20, right? Or Tiger Gold was going to go to 80% and lose all their money, right? Or Melbourne Capital is going to go out of business, okay? You go Rapungi, Mark and Tyler's about Rapungi, Rapungi oh, yeah. was the district in Tokyo, for all the Shinjin Rui, that's the Japanese term, and I don't know how good Mark's Japanese is better than mine. Okay, and by the way, for those of you that are playing at home, um, I'm just looking at the chart. Mark of eight three zero one, it was three hundred fifty thousand, and now it's twenty seven thousand, and that's uh, that's thirty years later. If you're um, a skier, but, if you're a skier, you like the ski trails that look like that chart. Yeah. So there. so so in any way, so down ninety percent. But more importantly, more importantly, never recovered. Never. Never, ever Mm-mm. fucking recovered. And by the way, Tony, I want to bring you into this in a second about time. Because we talk a lot about price, and I also want to get Tommy Thornton in here. One of the problems I have with um, uh, the markets, one of the many problems I have, is, you know, let's get the pain over with. You know, every time there's trouble in Dodge, um, uh, these guys ease. And so so the element of time um, has has been missing. Uh, from these from these bear markets or corrections, and you know, I just want to pull this up here. I read something today, where hold on, this is very important because this is a very, and th- I'm gonna, uh, we're going to do we're going to do Greer and then Newman and then we're going to and then we're going to be into the in, into the conversation on this because it goes to market structure, and the reason time is important is because it was what it does to psychology, and then particular momentum stocks because. And, Mark, you would know this, okay? And I forget the Jap- – it's one of these, you know, Japanese military things about, you know, forget how it works. I'll find the quote, right? But the element of time, the lack of momentum, the momentum itself is the reason why something goes up. Okay, I just found what I'm looking for. So someone – I don't think I tweeted this out. Um, I will tweet it out. Someone listed here the great bear markets uh, this century, the past 100 years. Depression – World War II hangover, Bay of Pigs, Vietnam inflation, oil embargo Watergate in 73, high inflation, 20% interest rates starting in November of 1980, the dot-com crash, the housing bubble, and now COVID, all right? Here's what you need to know. Forget about the average decline of 44%, and we're only down, you know, whatever we're down uh, right now. We're not, as by the sound, by the indices, we're down barely more than 10%, so you all feel better now because, you know, you know, you know, you know Wilfred Frost has not has not christened this a bear market. Oh, I feel better now. The piece of shit I own is down forty percent, but it's not a bear market. Okay, fine. But forget about the fact the average bear market's down forty four percent. What I really want to focus on is, is time duration. The average bear market was twenty one months. Twenty one months. Okay. Now, if you want, okay, if you want to be charitable, you'd say, well, you know, the average bear market's already been doing this for a year. Blah blah blah. All right. I'll give you 12 months. But if you look at the indices, and maybe this speaks now to the generals getting, getting slammed, you know, we're, we're, we're hardly down. We're only two months away from the peak. And so if I said to you, Mark first, you, then Tony, then then, then Tommy Thornton, you know what? I'll give you two choices. A, the market's going to fall 20% from here. I was like, oh, no, really? Be like, oh, shit, that's terrible. Or door number two. Mark says, yeah, what's door number two? I don't want to lose 20%. All right, Mark, I got new, good news for you. Those lunatic bears like George Noble are nuts. The market's only going to have 5%. You say, oh, I like that. I'm going to sign up for that. Ah, 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 There's one catch. In the first scenario, door number one, where it's off with your heads and you have a 20% off sale, then we go back to a regularly scheduled program, which is up and to the right. The second scenario, I spare you a 20% haircut. I'm only going to charge you 5%. But, and this goes to bear markets, and, and Newman, you got it over everybody in this room. Because you're the only guy alive in this room who's seen it, who's felt it. Who's not just reading about it, a fucking history book, all right? What if this market were to go down 5%? And then five years from now, ten years from now, it's the same price. We just get low volatility, and the fucking thing never goes up.
5: The death, by, the death
0: by sandpaper market. Yeah. So, so could you talk about, mm-hmm. particularly once we had the crash in Japan, That like the crash was fine. That was dynamic. That was exciting. But then, like, you know, what followed, the, 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 the mental depression, just, just I fucking hate this, like, get me out of here. Can you speak to what a bear market's really like, Mark?
5: So so I'll tell you, you know, you, you hit on it there with the two components, time and price, right? Because what you really want to happen is you want the BTD FOMO clowns to say, uncle. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I'm never coming back to the stock market. Until we get there, we're not close, right? So we've had January, February, yeah, it was nasty, and even like November, December. I don't know, whatever. You could clarify. Uh, you could how you could um you know qu- uh, sorry quantify or qualify. Excuse me, fourth quarter. I don't know. Was it a bear market? Bear market beginnings. I don't know. Everyone was hawkish, the Fed and whatever, and that's what started. I don't know. George, you speak to a very important point on the timing and the speed at once. Because if we grinded lower for a long time, down 50 bips, sort of uh, 1% every week for like 5, 6, 8, 10 weeks, eventually people would say, I don't know if I can handle it. But if you get a big rollover and then a bounce, then you have people like, oh, it's still alive. I can buy some. And they're still on the bullish tack. So if we're looking for a cleansing in the market, like you said, George, 21 months, 21 months is like a stair step where eventually people buy and it goes down and they buy and it goes down. And then they're like, after 20 months, uncle, I'm done with this. I'm not buying anymore. I'm puking at all. We need that moment. And right here, right now, in terms of the timing, it's sort of ongoing, ongoing and sort of people are still buying the dips. People are still FOMO. And that's not going to get you the bottom. It's going to get you these fits and starts, as you say, the death by sandpaper. You know, one of my favorite expressions in Japan, okay, excuse me for the uh, non, non, whatever. It's called asa dachi, okay? Asa dachi. Asa means to stand. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Asa means morning. Dachi means to stand, okay? The slang for asadachi is the morning affliction that men suffer with, okay? You wake up you're everything's strong and firm by an hour later it's flattened nothing okay so that's what happens in these bear markets all right the market races out in the first hour they're short cover everyone's like this is it i'm not gonna miss this here it goes and then an hour later we're at the lows right that's the wake up in the morning look at me and then like an hour later like oh i got nothing right and so that is sort of the mindset in the early stages of a market. And that's like this. We went no, in the morning. Sorry. No, hey, come
0: on, guys. No,
5: work with me here. No, Help no, me out. No, I just had a no glass no of wine. Me. Like, come You're on. You're killing me. And okay. I, I just know but, everyone Google. Everyone here, Google Asadachi. You'll see what I'm talking about. It was the Japanese. This was the Japanese market. Here it goes. It's rallying. This is it. Get on board. So, no, nope. And
1: Nothing. Sorry. So Tony, you, you may, here. you may, you may not want to Google that by the way. Folks.
5: Okay. Well, whatever. No, no. Make sure it's on like your own private server, not your work server. But my point is this, and I'm serious now. It's the mindset, right? And you start out by saying I'm missing it. Here it goes. The, so like I said today to some people, we're going to get a snapback rally here. We're going to get a commodity relief relief ra- uh, relief relief to the downside. And things are going to revert a little. And the people who dive in and say, yeah, Oh, this is it. It's over. It's done. The washout's done. I'm in. They're the ones who are going to buy like they did at the end of January. And uh, five days later, we rolled right back over. No new highs. That's sort of how it behaves. So these are the blue candles, right? You gap up or you start strong and then you close lower. That's the blue candle. That's the beauty of the candlesticks, right? You see the color. So,
0: so, 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 so I can understand you start out long and firm, and then it kind of peters and out then of the you're way.
5: flaccid and down. By the end
0: of the day, you got nothing. Okay,
5: that's it. And right. So that's so. how the mo- look. But think about that in the context of the mindset of the investor. It's a funny little uh, expression in, in Japanese that really ca- encapsulates what the '90s were about in Japan. so, so Tony. I don't, want, I don't know what part of that you want to speak Tony, to. I don't know how you can follow that, but everyone, I have to say, I, I got to make dinner for my kids, and I'm, I'm sort of on to my next thing. But, look, right. I love this space. I'm going to be back. Thank all you, right. everyone, and I, I really appreciate this.
6: Right. I will all talk right. to
2: you Thank all you. Thank guys you. all soon. All right, Thank Mark, you, Mark. The answer is I can't follow that, but I'll try. <laughs> oh, <no.
1: laughs> yes, you can, Tony. Yes. Thanks, Tony. Nice, Mark.
6: Was- Bye.
0: So Tony, maybe say you Tony. want to give it to thorn. Maybe you stick him with it. I don't know. You want to say something? I've uh, got a lot of hands. George, we also have a lot of hands up. So everybody be patient. We're going to let uh, No, I, Tony- I know. I know here. Whatever. we got a good thing going here. So Tony, yeah, you yeah. want to say something? Then we're going yes, to Thornton.
2: Yes, I am going to, I'm going to be super, super quick, and then I'm going to hand it right on to Tom because I'm dying to hear what he has to say, okay? When, he, when Mark just mentioned the mindset of the investor, the only thing that I can share that directly speaks to that, right? I've had People call me directly asking me for advice about what to do with their big tech stocks, namely Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. And I'm kind of generalizing several phone calls that I've fielded from a combination of retail investors and professional investors. I tell the retail investors, I just go into the spiel, look, you know, commodity rally rates higher. It's going to be bad. Facebook, they already shot this general. They listen to me. And then they say, nah, well, you know, I feel like this is just a rough patch or something like it. And this stock is going to be back or something like it. And that's when I hang up the phone and I'm like, well, thank you for asking for my advice and then promptly telling me to go fuck off. But that's fine. You're in to do whatever you want. But that's the mindset of people that will call up a professional investor, get the advice from him or them that, you know, is something they've never heard before and not even be shaken up enough to be like, you know what? Why don't I sell some of this? The answer is rather, yeah. you know what? I think it's just a rough patch. I think it's going to be back. So with that mindset, these guys are all in trouble, and I'll hand it back to Tom.
0: Mr. Thornton, are you there, Tom? Please unmute.
7: Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, Tony. Um, Hey, bro. And, Mark, that was great. Um, I don't know how to follow up on that. But um, actually – today was pretty significant in the sense that it was different from the last move down. And and my view has been, we were going to see, you know, a series of lower highs develop and then lower lows. And the thing that was really significant to me, you know, I've got a few things that I, the mega cat names uh, died today. And we didn't see that give up last time uh, like this. And when The my custom index of the the top three NDX names were down five point three percent, and compared to the S and P down three percent, and then you have even the Nasdaq one hundred down three and three quarters percent. So these guys were giving up, and they've started to capitulate, and I. I'm actually looking at market sentiment as well. The Dsi, the daily sentiment index I just got was it's now at eleven percent. It hit ten at the the recent lows. And one other thing that I really like is the c CNN Fear and greed index because it's not what um, traders or investors are telling you what they think. It's actually what investors are doing. and the the thing that um, on the last move down, there were just way, way too many people that were eager to buy. All I heard was, you know, what can I buy? What should I buy? And and everybody jammed right back into it and had no fear of uh, buying that dip. And it was a lower high bounce, just as expected. And so now you're starting to see more fear into the market. And they're, they're giving up on the their stocks that have been their, you know, bread and butter go-to names and it's that's a that's a big difference of um, the fear and greed wasn't moving down the last move down it's now at 13 percent and that um was due to people were still buying calls so the put call ratios didn't get to levels to where it was extreme fear because people were eager to buy and so I still see lower countdowns, the countdowns um, ahead of us. And the problem for the bears are gonna, it's gonna be that we're getting to countdowns that are from, they vary from day nine to day 11 of 13. And so we're starting to see a lot of um, I screen the S and P 500 and Eurostock 600 every day. And I'm seeing a ton of components in there with, DeMarc, uh buy signals and that just is the complete opposite of what I saw back towards the end of last year when all I had were sell countdowns 13s and 12s and on the weekly basis as well so it was a bigger intermediate top that I was expecting uh, so that's really the, the the big thing now I also will say that um, market sentiment with all the commodities and I know everybody in here is just you know the They've been very bullish on commodities, but everyone is certainly very bullish on commodities. And I think that, you know, this last move today, this move today was very, very telling because it seems every commodity, um, most of them, I I can't look at gold. Um, Well, wheat, I think, was limit up again. But a lot of them faded very, very hard off their, their highs, their early highs. And to me, that was positioning and that was the that was a real capitulation type move on a lot of those and i'm not saying that the bear market or the bull market for commodities is over but i think the, the 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 you know there was you guys probably talked about what happened in nickel today with you know liquidations and um that big you know mongo uh short in this and then i think that bled into um copper as well there was forced you know selling across the board risk taking down um out there so my view is that um watch out for good news um it's coming to a point in the market and and trust me i'm like as bearish as it gets and i am starting to buy stuff and i know everybody's gonna be like oh god are you crazy but i i am um very, very focused and disciplined on what I'm buying, where I'm buying it, and the size of what I'm buying, because I'm not necessarily, you know, levering myself up and buying Palantir, I'm buying 1% of Palantir. And I'm watching, you know, I took, you know, some hits today. Um, I'm buying the airlines. And everybody Oh, God, are you freaking nuts? Well, they've been mauled. And I think that I'm, I'm getting demark exhaustion signals and I'm getting very close to Demark exhaustion signals with jet fuel. And, you know, if, if there's any sort of good news and let's say jet fuel drops or something, ha- those airlines are going to rip. And I'm not looking for them to go to the, old, you know, the all time highs. I'm a trader. I'm going to b- get the bounce. And then we're going to make another lower high bounce and most likely um, have a final washout. But today was really an important day because we saw the big mega cap and they all closed essentially, you know, as everything flat out on their, I mean, my screen is red, like solid red, meaning it closed on the lows. Um, but that's what I think is happening right now. We're starting to really get more capitulation because that did not happen on the so, low.
0: So, so, so Thornton is now, as you were, as you were talking, I don't know what it is between Greer and Newman and Thornton, we now have a thousand or a thousand people in this room. So this room is killing it. All right. Thank you, Tommy. It's brilliant as always. So now we're going to move on. I want to do, we're just going to take a little detour here. If uh, Schmuckatelli is on, is on duty, uh, I don't know if, Joe, if you're paying attention, but I would like to get the military update. Um, Joe, are you there? Can you talk to, the, we updated you what's going on in the Ukraine. Again, we thank you for your service. You alone, for everyone in the room is a must must follow. That's obviously not his real name, uh, but he was in these rooms two or three weeks ago, saying shit's gonna get real, stuff's gonna happen, and it did. And um, so, unlike everybody else, hold on, Schmuckatelli, you gotta get your back up okay, here. There you go. Unlike everybody else on I mean, here, doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, he actually knows what he's talking about. Him and Law Fawn, I hope he comes back alone. Both military guys, they had it nailed. So. Um, where are you Schmuckatelli? Where'd you go? Are you here? You keep disappearing. Hey, oh hey, did he disappear again? I can't see him. I think it's getting jiggy on us again. Hold on a minute. Oh wait, hold on. I don't know if it's him on the speaker. I don't know if it's the, the app or he's hitting the wrong button. He's coming back up. So, Joe, are you there? You there? Hey, hey George, can you hear me? Yeah, hey, you're perfect. Hey, hey, good to hear from you as always. Likewise. Um, I mean, this is I mean, you called it, dude. You called it. And so kind of like
3: you
0: know, what do you think? What do you think?
3: Well, you know, on that note, um I think the best way to to kind of try to figure out what, what Putin is up to is don't look at his words, look at his actions. And, you know, when I saw one hundred and seventy thousand Russian troops surrounding the country of Ukraine uh, at every possible um, uh, place along the border where Russia could do that, it just it just spoke loudly to me that that's. That that he wasn't bluffing and that that was exactly what he wanted to do was to invade the country. Um, You know, and and now what we have is we have this back and forth and there's talks. I guess they're on their third round of peace talks. But this is just this is just more of Putin just stalling, delaying, posturing, pretending that he'll talk to people. But I think really at the end of the day. Uh he's made it quite clear that he'd rather Ukraine be a pile of rubble than an independent country that is not under his sphere of influence. And uh I, he will not stop until that happens. Um, you know, there's increasing bombardments of in major cities like Kyiv and Kharkiv, and um the Russian onslaught will continue. Um you know, there's Ukrainian rage, of course, if anything, he's, 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 uh, he's given the Ukrainians a sense of nationalism and solidarity that they probably, you know, haven't had at least in our lifetime. And, uh, and so, you know, whether in the long run, uh, this is a strategic blunder by Putin, I guess that's left to be determined, but, uh, you know, he is taking losses. I mean, uh, Take it with a grain of salt, and this is unconfirmed. But you know, Ukraine is claiming that there's over 10,000 Russian service members that have been killed since uh, February 24th. Uh, they're also claiming to have downed at least nine Russian military aircraft in the last two days, including two Su 34 bombers. Um, re- refugee flows continue. They're, they're, we're looking at 1.7 million refugees have already flown out of Ukraine, uh, have already fled from Ukraine. Um, Here's what's really distressing, is that, you know, a lot of these uh, talks are for safe corridors. And Russia is just routinely violating, they'll agree that there will be a safe corridor, and then civilians will try to leave these cities, and then they'll get bombed. And uh, the UN's estimating that up to 400 Ukrainian civilians have already died, while trying to exit cities in safe, in previously considered safe corridors for refugee flow. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what's happening. You know, my, my thought is Russia is going to continue to throw its troops into the meat grinder and pulverize uh, Ukrainian cities with missiles and artillery. I don't think Putin's going to quit because the only exit for him is to be able to claim victory in Ukraine. Um, so, you know, all that said, if this becomes an occupation, it's going to make Afghanistan look like a walk in the park. Um, many, many students of history will remember that, uh, Russia lost over 13,000 troops in its occupation of Afghanistan over the years. And, uh, we're already possibly close to that now. And if Russia does attempt to occupy Ukraine, it's just going to be, um, a continual, Slog of dead Russian service members for as long as they try to occupy that country. Really? I mean, that's you my just, thought. So, Joe, you said thirteen thousand
0: Russian troops are dead, or, or Ukrainian troops are dead. I'm sorry, what did you say?
3: Yeah, so so thirteen thousand Russian troops died in Afghanistan. Okay. The Ukrainians are claiming. The Ukrainians are claiming that they may have already killed up to ten thousand. I All think right. that that's a bit high, Got and it. that's right. not Let's, confirmed. Right. All right. Yeah. So, Joe, let me ask you a couple questions for
0: you. And and so one, you know, I've read enough and heard from enough smart people that we should I don't believe anything anybody's telling us. I don't believe the American press. I don't believe the Russian press. I don't believe the Ukrainian press. So from where you sit for those of us trying to keep track of this, like who do you think is most likely telling the truth at this
3: point or 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 it's all garbage and you just have your own sources? George I've been transfixed. I mean, it, it's a new world. It is You know, mostly I've been getting firsthand accounts on Twitter, but I hear about TikTok. I'm not on TikTok a lot. You know, Telegram, word is getting out. The Ukrainians still have uh, 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 Internet because, you know, our friend Elon Musk has given them Starlink and all this other stuff. I'm not saying it's a steady signal, but word is getting out. And I trust the Ukrainians that are talking firsthand live whether it's in a sp- literally in a Twitter space or elsewhere on social media or videos that are corroborated and confirmed. So I find the best source of information is the Ukrainians themselves. And, you know, the videos and the photographs and the eyewitness testimony live from a Ukrainian in Kyiv is the most compelling information I've ever been witness to. And that's really been the backbone of what I've been mostly getting
6: my information from. Hey, Joe, is it me or do some of these you, uh, videos that are being put out there online? They almost look identically uh, produced as the ISIS videos we had prior to Trump. coming? Oh, in. don't no, Don't get me. Don't, wrong, they? don't they? Don't they look kind the of produced by the same company or something like that? No, yeah, there's sorry. a lot
3: of there's a lot. I I, under, I know where you're going with that. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down and I'm not telling people to blindly follow any video or photograph they see. Um, you know, there needs to be some kind of corroboration. There needs to be some type of real-time uh, way to, to be able to see that that video is actually that city, that location, that person talking. Okay? There is a lot of bad video out there, a lot of bad imagery, a lot of bad reporting. And I encourage people to try to corroborate sources and try to, you know, confirm things when they hear them. But I would say of all the things that I've talked about, what's most compelling is when you hear, you know, these Ukrainian fighters talking from, you know, within Kharkiv, within Kiev, within, you know, the actual cities and saying what's going on. I heard one today saying, hey, we got food. I I can't pick what I'm going to eat. It's not the best food I've ever had. But, you know, my belly is full. I've got enough food. I'll get through the day. I'll be fine. You know, just get us ammunition, get us more stuff, you know, and you know, there's other, you know, I'm um, perhaps not as important to know. But, well, I mean, it is important, you know, the, the, the I've heard these tragic stories of uh, abandoned pets and, you know, they're in these, you know, pet, pet, uh, uh, orphanages and they're starving and people are trying to get pet food to them. Uh, James McKay is a is a great guy and he's in a lot of these spaces and he's actually organizing a charity because he's got a personal friend in Kiev right now. And so there are a lot of humanitarian efforts going along along those lines. Yeah.
6: But 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 interestingly, Joe, because, you know, my my decade in Africa and Ebola and all that stuff, you know, typically have the U.N. come in right away. Medicine, their frontiers right away. All of the medical folks and everything else. Not one word. Out of any of those organizations. It's not safe, uh, you know. It's just not it's, safe. It's been really yeah. difficult
3: to get yeah. people,
6: you know, mm-hmm. to get people yeah. in.
0: It's- so, 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 Joe, let me ask you a question. So, set me straight in. On. So, one of the things I've been reading, you talked about this could be a, you make Afghanistan look like a white walk in the park for the Russians if they got to hang out there for a long while. Smart guy was talking to us, so, hey, you know, look at, look at the lack of support they have. You know, feeding people, housing people, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you look at the way the Russian troops are being supported. I mean, can they sustain this? This guy was making the
3: point to me. This this is like a freaking joke. What's your take? What's your take, Schmuck? It's a great question, and I I totally i am tracking with you, George, and I agree. Um, You know, there's that famous saying from a Marine Corps general that strategy and tactics are for amateurs and logistics are for professionals. The way you win a big war like this is with logistical expertise, and the uh, Russians have shown singularity, singular mediocrity. I mean, it is horrible. You know, this vaunted forty-mile uh, convoy outside of Kiev. I mean, it's broken down of its own volition. I mean, they don't have fuel. They don't have, you know, they don't have food for the truth. They don't have spare parts. So, in a in a weird kind of way, I mean, it was its own. Ca- it, it it seems to be its own ca- casualty. Without a lot of shots being fired on it, because the Russians don't have the supply lines to actually keep that thing moving. So it's a it's a good point. It's a valid point, and I agree with the point that just the logistical. I mean, imagine a small city. Many of us, have, you know, I mean, I live near a small city of 180,000. If you could you imagine feeding, equipping, and 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 tending to to just compliant people every day, all day. What kind of an immense supply challenge that would be now do that with an army that's consuming fuel that's consuming ammunition that's breaking down i mean these are old you know some of it some of the equipment is soviet soviet era equipment this stuff breaks down you don't have small parts you're not moving so it's a valid point and i think we're going to see that more and more as time goes forward every day that putin doesn't take ukraine is another bad day for putin Um, You know, I mean, to backtrack, if he'd have done this in 48 to 72 hours, if he'd have done that blitzkrieg that he maybe thought that he was going to do, I think the world would have been knocked back on its heels, not knowing what to do. And we would have tried to just go forward and put together some semblance of uh, uh, sanctions to show our outrage. That didn't happen. And with every day that passes, we see more and more horrible videos of 11-story apartment buildings reduced to rubble, of civilians being trapped, of, of, of horrible, sad stories. And, you know, it's only going to get worse from here, in my opinion. That said, he's an autocrat. He has firm control. He has total control of the media. And the Russians are largely behind him. As crazy, you know, as hard as that may be for Western people to believe, I think he still has the majority of the Russian people behind him in this war effort.
0: So, so, so Joe, let me ask you this. If you were sort of chief commander or whatever, you know, you know, he's from a game theory perspective, putting always trying to figure out what's in the other guy's head, which is, you know, a thankless task. But the guy's smart. He may be evil, but he's smart. Um, what's the off ramp? Like, you got to give them a win, so to speak. And so whether or not it's, you know, people say, oh, just give them, you know, Ukraine's not going to join NATO. Yeah. Or give them the Donbass what? and blah, blah, blah. Like, like, what would you, because you got to give them something. So if you were, yeah. you know, I think you're preferable to, even though I don't know you that well, I'll take you over uh, Jen Psaki and Kamala Harris any day of the week, okay? And Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony fucking blinking brain dead asshole, okay? Like, what would you be if
3: you were running the show? What would you do, Joe? How would would you play this? Yeah. Okay. here's the problem is that Putin is putting forth really, really unreasonable, you know, like demands. And and so it's going to make a negotiation exceedingly difficult, exceedingly difficult. I heard I heard the other day something that I thought and maybe this would have been a good solution prior to the advent of hostilities. But Ukraine is basically Finland. It's not NATO. It's not Russia. It's an independent country. It's Finland. Okay. it's got a non-aggression pack. Uh, I I don't know. You can you can design that, you know, trust, but verify, figure out your ways for Russia to be happy with that. I don't think that'll be enough for Putin. Um, At the very least, he's going to want Crimea in the eastern provinces right now. That's for sure. And it looks like he wants a hell
6: of a lot more than that.
3: And that's where it becomes unreasonable. Um, He's also. Yeah, go ahead.
6: Sorry, Joe. No, sorry. I apologize for interrupting you. Please go ahead.
3: Yeah. So, so, so like, I like, you know, Ukraine is Finland. I mean, I just want the people of Ukraine to be able to live with their own self-determination and to have their own country. Now, of course, over the years, Putin will do everything he can to disrupt that and put up his, you know, use his disinformation, misinformation and try to install a puppet leader that will one day get closer to Russia the way Belarus has done
6: with Lukashenko okay. now now Joe now Joe I'm just curious what on earth okay is this guy thinking right I mean as far as I can tell Ukraine you know it has the GDP of one third of Walmart's revenue and in about seven to ten days time he's turned Russia into North Korea. Right. What? In, what i mean, you I can't, Right. I, I can't point. figure out what in the <laughs> hell is he thinking here? Can you tell? Well, I have an edge I, I, on I think, that or what? I
3: think. OK, first of all, I don't dare to get inside of Putin's brain. But you got to remember, he's surrounded by sycophants. Anybody that doesn't tell him what they believe he exactly wants to hear is either fired or killed. Right. We've all you look, we've all had autocratic bosses and they're nothing compared to this guy. And so. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have people around him that speak truth to power. So going into this, I firmly believe he thought it was going to be a walkover. You know, he, he thought they were going to literally, I've heard stories that they thought that the Ukrainians were going to be throwing roses at the liberating troops of the Russian troops as they walked down the boulevards of Kiev. Of course, that didn't happen. And so so they told him what he wanted to hear, and he had an unreasonable level of confidence that this thing was going to fold in no time and that didn't happen um now now does that mean i count him out or anything i think i think he miscalculated okay but he is not going to relent and you know basically this is probably he probably considers this a fight for his very survival
1: i mean if he joe, doesn't I, I, if he doesn't pre- yeah go ahead yeah joe i think you're 100% right i mean he's boxed himself in now because he's gotten so right. deep into this that if he pulls out and goes back into his constituents at the kremlin What's he gonna say? He's gonna look weak. He's Putin. Is one thing that's for sure. Exactly. He's not gonna want to look weak. So oh, you're right. He's boxed himself uh, 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 in. And so, so, hey, so, we got so, a lot so, of hands
0: up, uh, George. You I know. I just want. I always want Joe to finish off on this. And none of the questions. Of any, I don't want. I mean, if you want to ask Joe a question, what he thinks, that's fine. But I don't want to have any. Hi, George. I'm a first time caller, and this is what I think Putin should do. No, no, we're not having that. We're not having that. No fucking geopolitical experts in the room. There's only one, and that's Schmuckatelli. If you want to ask the man a question, that's fine, but no sort of peacocking because you got it all figured out. You know, after your triumph and figuring in conquering COVID and, and all the other shit. So, Schmuckatelli, I just want to ask the question again. So, so, wh- so, what do you think? So, what we just got to give him the fucking Ukraine? Like, what does he want? What would be enough to make him to make him stop
3: all this? That's the question I want to ask you. He needs to claim victory to the Russian people. And uh, that probably means uh, occupation of a large part of Ukraine. Can we can we carve out a rump state that's not part of that? Uh, perhaps. Um, I, I, he, he appears intent on, if not threatening, Kyiv taking down the whole city, even if that means turning it into moonscape. Um, so we, he needs a large measure. He needs to be able to proudly, and and you know defiantly go to the Russian people and say, look what I've done, and and so what does that look like? It's it's a difficult question, George. I think it's occupation of a large part of Ukraine, if not the entire portion of it, in, in the entire country, I should say, um, and and that's really where the hard part of the diplomacy comes through. That's really where this. That's really where the rubber hits the road. Is how do we find a way? for the Ukrainian people to maintain some level of autonomy and independence and give Putin a win so he can, you know, cease hostilities and people will stop dying. And, you know, I'm sorry, George, sorry. I can't pretend to know the answer to that. I, 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 right, can't, and, I and then, and then the last thing, and then we're going to move on what you're describing. Let's talk about
0: time. It's like we talk time and market. What you're describing, this is not like, it doesn't sound like, you know, we're going to come running in on Wednesday or Thursday this week. And, oh, peace in our time, you know, it's all fixed. No, no. What you're describing, it sounds like the sides are so far apart that this could take
3: this could take quite a while. I mean, what's your sense of time? Yeah, look, if, if they could come to some kind of, if they could cease hostilities within uh, a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, I mean, I, I, that would be a good thing. And, you know, a lot of people are going to die and a lot of cities are going to be reduced to rubble in two or three weeks. So you know, I mean, I, I think that's as early as it gets. I mean, I I I think anybody who says this is gonna end within seven to ten days is overly optimistic. Thank you, Patch Marcatelli. All right, move on. We're gonna do Bobby J, uh,
0: Crapital. Yeah, Bobby J and then Capitalism. Bobby J, welcome.
4: What's up? Hey, um yeah, I have a question for Tony. Is he Go still for it, here? Yeah. Yep. Go for it.
0: He's there. Yeah, right.
4: Okay. Hey, Tony. Um Europe. Someone asked me today, uh, how come European bank stocks weren't down that much today? And my answer is because they've been going down for 20 years. And um, if I could short one thing right now, it's the Bernie Ebers, the Kenneth Lay of central bankers, Mario Draghi. Yeah. And what I mean by that is... I took another dive recently into the Italian banks, and you know they reduced their non performers, but it's not because those loans paid back. Uh, it's not because those companies that borrowed or small businesses are back on their feet. They they papered over all of this stuff. They securitized it and uh, they moved it around. And what I'm thinking, because going back to the sandpaper, uh, and is this going to be a 10-year thing, I do think that Europe is worse than Japan. I do think it's kind of a sushi marinara. And um, (laughs) when I look at these banks, they're all, you know, they're lucky to post 3% ROE. Um, Their clients are still not back on their feet. And then the ties that Italy has with Belt and Road and and to Russia, uh, with seventeen percent of its economy off the books, uh, is there? A, what is the best way to short Europe? I mean, the banks are still, they're still, you know, they're down. But I, I really think that this is something that's going to drag on the global economy for quite some time. I got a call from Ireland today and um, they said uh, they're expecting us to take in 100,000 to 200,000 Ukrainians and we have a housing shortage and we have a rising homeless situation. So we basically, you know, George asked the question, who do we believe? Well, I believe the people that are leaving the Ukraine. you know, so now we have another country that is kind of, uh, floating around. It could end up being three or 4 million people. And that's half the size of Greece and about the size of Ireland. Um, the prospects for Europe longer term are, are looking really, really grim. Uh, how would you, how would you play that? All right, Bob, I, I, um, I, I fully
2: respect you targeting the banks in Europe. Um, you know, it's traditionally been, you know, the right weak length to attack. Um, now the reason, you know, I could comment on this, but I gotta state it's not my trade, right? It's your trade. so I can only offer what what I see. And the thing put it this way, I can only offer a perspective. A, you know, like you were right at the very beginning to point out, like when you had, when you got questions, okay, hey, why weren't they back down that down? Why weren't European banks down so much today? Uh, The answer is because they're down 40% coming into today, right? Today, very much had the feel of that capitulative action, both in commodity buying, and, you know, maybe even in, um, you know, some other um, good industrial metals or natural resources buying. So if there's You know, capitulative action there, potentially this this is probably, you know, buy the fact back kind of action in European banks today where they didn't fall very far, but it's because they've already fallen so far. My point is, you know, that that sector that they've just fallen from a 100 to price of a 120 to 75, you know, the lockdown lows, the dead ball low was around 50. So now, you know, you're talking about hunting that twenty five dollar move at the very least, which is fair. Um, Since we fell halfway to that in five sessions, it becomes really difficult to get into the trade. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, the only the other thing that I think you're going to you know, put it this way. So my 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 advice is, yeah, you're going to see these moving averages on the upside on some kind of retracement or something close to them. So you have to wait for that. But the bottom line is, as on the downside, you're going to start fighting central banks. You know what I mean? And that that's the only reason that while I Mm -hmm. think this trade has perfect merit, you're going to get to a place where you're going to have Mario Draghi and all of his men shooting against you. And so that's where it's like, okay, well, I don't think this trade is over, but I have no choice. I have to cover because they're, you know, Mm -hmm. the talking heads are coming after me. That's all I can really offer you. And I don't want to take you out
4: of what could be. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty much reduced my position in that. I am just saying that I think Europe is going to give us multiple chances on the short side over the next five years. I agree. I think they're going over the barrel with ESG. Yep. All right. So we're the, okay. the waterfall. So sorry,
2: George. Okay.
0: We're not going to have any Twitter space rooms on European banks and buying opportunities. So, Thank
6: George, you. George, can I can I just ask a question not about yeah, the European yeah, for, banks, yeah, but just in general? Please, thanks. Three A's, Please keep it tight because we got a huge yeah, stage. Quick question. Then, George, I got to hop off that. I got to hop waiting, off that. So going this going George. So All right. boy, hey, Tony, we'll catch you next time. Nice speaking to you again, brother. Hey, All Bobby right. J. I'm just curious. Absent the debt jubilee, how the hell do these central banks square their books at some point?
4: Oh, great question. Oh, yeah, I don't know. And especially the ECB, because they have gotten into, you know, corporate bonds, asset backs. And, you know, I, I just think they're creating a tinderbox. I, I think... Uh, central banks in Europe can go at it another time, but I think uh, the more they do this, the worse it's going to be.
0: I'll, I'll just throw my two sentences in. Uh, two sentences in a three. It's not because I got a smart opinion, but my best French contact. I was talking with him today, and I guess we get ECB stuff on Thursday, and it's less about rates and more about you know, you know, Mario Draghi. Please call your office. I'll do whatever he takes. So he's saying they're going to make noises about you know more money for everybody. I mean, his view is we're gonna get we're gonna get the bankers are gonna wind up turning on a dime as this problem intensifies and they're gonna start printing money again and you know the Davos crowd the Vays, whenever they don't like losing money and so whenever that happens they rub the printing presses again and you know his view is like the world won't come to an end and we're just gonna get much higher inflation out of this whole thing because the banks aren't gonna be allowed to to, to 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 do a face plant so. I don't know um so because there are problems the more the more bobby jay talks about how screwed up it continues to be the more likely my french friend is going to be right and so then it just plays into what tony gree is saying on the charts in terms of the resources going crazy so i don't know if i had to bet right now that's probably the way i would bet all right let's move on so we're going to do uh capitalism and then abe and then trend wizard hey capitalism what's up
8: hey thanks george um I'm not going to spend too much time here, but uh, I wanted to point the group to this this paper that was written in 2012 by uh, Chris Cole and Artemis. It's called Volatility at World's End. And he kind of he, he points at Weimar Germany, but he makes an interesting point that suggests uh, he, he went back and measured the viX in that environment and he, he points out that the nominal gain in the German stock market was like 2500 percent and consequently uh, volatility spiked to 2,000 percent. And I kind of want to draw an analogy to that, given what's going on in commodities markets. Um, it 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 seems like you could basically make the case that volatility is underpriced um, in a world of rising commodities prices. Um, so I guess the point I want to make, I, I see that Doomberg's in the chat here and he might be worth bringing up here. And I'm happy to drop my spot here. But in a world of basically 50 years straight of globalization, where you basically extended supply chains, made them more complex, extended them across time, and with more counterparties. We're basically now seeing over the last two years through the COVID pandemic with PPE shortages, and now with sanctions, unbanking of Canadians, what have you, you're basically going globalization in reverse. And I wonder if people have thoughts on the impacts of that for equity markets, investor psychology, uh, et cetera.
0: Wow! What a great question, capitalism. You, you, you get the prize for 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 question of the of the day. So much to unpack there. Um, I agree on the volatility thing. I also agree. I also you. I think I mentioned earlier. I, I think we're in for. I don't care about the cyclical stuff. About the long term, the blah blah blah. You know, disinflation, technology, all that globalization crap. Um, I think cyclically we're looking at a higher inflationary environment for a whole number of reasons. deglobalization. globalization uh, in the U S we've actually run out of skilled labor um, inadequate uh, investment in extractive uh, uh, resources, energy and other metals um, ESG. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving out some stuff, but I think even the even if you buy into the long-term disinflationary, blah, 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 because of demographics and technology and, you know, you don't need me to do that. You'll just turn on CNBC. I think there's good reason to think, I believe, and I could be wrong, that we're looking at higher inflation. Um, and, you know, I'm not going straight to Weimar. We'll drive off that bridge when we come to it, as Teddy Kennedy famously once said. But right here, right now, inflation is going up, not down. And I think anyone who's watching CNBC needs to, needs to hit the mute button and go back to Mark Newman's spiel earlier about the continuity of bullish thought. This is a regime change. And we're going to have Abe talk in a minute because he deals in metals and all that other stuff. So I could not agree more with what you're saying. And as we, as, as, as we get this discontinuity of bullish thought, there will be dislocations. Um, many people just don't realize what's going on. And there will be volatility, so I agree with you. Um, so I think it's a great question. And, you know, it's such a good question. I, I, honestly, that's the best question I've heard in weeks, in any of these spaces. I can't thank you enough for that. Unfortunately, given that many people are in this room and, are, and want to ask questions, if you don't mind, I'd like you to come back and ask that question again in another room. As a matter of fact, that could be a topic for an entire room. So thank you for that, Capitalism. I really appreciate it. Um, Abe, maybe you could start off... Um, Give us the update on what's going on with the with the steel and, you know, I don't know. You got a perspective. Three us was talking about the, you know, the, those the whole thing today you with know, the nickel price going crazy. So so you've been great on your calls, your observations the last few days, dropping a lot of truth bombs in here. So give us the update. What are you seeing, man?
9: Okay, thanks, George. Appreciate it. Um, so as of this morning, um, my contacts in Eastern Europe from the Ukraine. Um, To Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, um, Russia, um, essentially Belarus. So, essentially, what's happening, because I've heard a gentleman talk prior that um, need to be careful with the whole materials uh, side of the equation, the commodities. Well, I can tell you based on firsthand information, on, you know, because I get the stuff straight from the mills. Uh, cause I move a lot of physical, as you know, just for others who don't know, I move a, as my kid would say, a shit ton of, uh, steel, um, into, uh, various markets around the world. Belarus is offline as, is, as of today. Um, Ukraine is completely, um, offline. Um, uh, basically Europe right now is scrambling to get anything they can get their hands on. Um, I've had to reprice, um, uh, three quarters of all my order flow, as of this morning, I've, we've rejected everything um, and gone back. The prices of, um, in, in particular, rod, uh, rod, such so wire rod, has moved up about twenty-seven percent in the span of a week. Um, there's no supply, and um, uh, so anyone who's thinking that um, you know prices are going to drop. Um, you know, at some point or at least uh, imminently, I think you really need to reconsider this. I've been in this game 28 years now, 27, 28 years. Um, I've never seen anything like this and, uh, we don't have any supplies. So I don't know where the hell you guys are going to get it from or anyone's going to get it because the physical just doesn't exist. Uh, Ukraine is a massive supplier of iron ore, steel, uh, they export to China, they're offline and so is Belarus. So so good luck to uh, uh, to the crew that think that they're going to be able to get it so, from somewhere.
0: So, so, so hey, basically what you're talking about is we're looking at a huge supply shock here, right? What's that? We're basically what you're saying is we're looking at a huge supply
10: shock.
9: Yep, 100%. And I'm repricing shit every day now. Mm. Um, so, you know, you got to understand, I, I'm seeing this from the mills, not from, you know, I'm not trading GLD and the paper and the bullshit. I'm moving the physical. Okay, so I'm just telling you that um, I can't get it, can't find it. Um, and so iron ore is being starved and steel is being starved. And, and hence, that's where you see the pricing. Uh, the pricing is moved. And the existing mills that do have um, are basically quoting week to week. And pretty soon it'll be, you know, every three, four days. That's how it's how, that's how it's going. So, wow.
6: and, and these are finished goods or, or mid cycle raw materials. They're both. And where where do the natural resources come from in country? Or are they bringing that in?
9: No, the natural resources primarily come from the Ukraine. So that's what I'm telling in you. Country.
6: So in natural resource, pro, uh, upgrading the natural resource to finish materials and then finished goods for product, all vertically
9: integrated in Ukraine. Is that
6: what uh, you're saying?
9: The raw materials, the primary raw material, because uh-huh. without that, you can't do anything, is Ukraine right. and Belarus. Uh-huh. Then it moves into Eastern Europe, cheaper uh, jurisdictions, uh, not cheaper, but more advanced the jurisdictions. The and stuff yeah, for yeah. processing, yeah. right? Exactly. And then the, fin- the
6: finished materials are also in those eastern countries or are they then shipping it out again? No,
9: they're finished they all end up in the US. So got it. thank got you new, for that. Yeah. yeah. So right. you're looking at major inflation. Look, I can yeah. tell you some of the stuff, you know, confidentially ends up at Home Depot. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So yeah, uh, all right yeah, prices all right. are moving.
0: Thank, thanks, thanks Dave. Stay on stage. we am sure you have a lot of questions. Yeah. All right. Um I want to go to trend wizzo and then shabam
11: trend wizard how you doing ma'am? hey Georgia, thank you for giving opportunity a couple of quick questions so first one is for uh yourself uh, you know from an end game perspective for the markets uh, you have you are a veteran you have seen a bunch of these conflicts in the past um i started trading only in 98 and um, i've seen downturn and i've done bear market trading but uh I've not seen a conflict such as this one emerge, so would like to get uh, benefit of your uh, experience. Uh, second question is to, uh, to Bob. Uh, from a standpoint of the insurers, uh, they may or may not have securitized their, uh, you know, their insurance coverage, or they may have reinsured, they may not have reinsured, but what is your view on the insurers, uh, given what you mentioned about the banks? Um, and then I have a third follow-up for the gentleman who was uh, describing about the production. So, George, thank you, but this is great. I've shared a bunch of related tweets uh, up top of the room um, related to some of the topics which were discussed, such as the bank one, like ING having some, uh, you know, impairment of assets, et cetera, uh, for folks who
0: are... No, I I appreciate a lot of good questions. We may not get to all those. um, We're going to go very quickly because this room I want to... I don't want this to go all night. And you're, you're it's too many good questions. So, uh, first question I've not been through a conflict like this either. But what there's kind of a muscle memory or pattern recognition in terms of market behavior. And I don't know if you're in the room earlier, but you know, I, I put up, uh, I think I tweeted out, and if you want to grab it, you can put it in the nest the history of the bear markets, how long they tend to last. And, you know, Listen. If it's only as a few weeks ago, people are still piling. You know, we took equities took in more money last year. Everyone knows this, but I want to remind everyone: everyone took in more money last year. Equities took more money last year than the prior twenty nineteen years combined. Recently, you know, you had December into uh, February. I think it was $150 150 billion the money of more inflows. Insider buying, despite the market decline, has been really muted um so you've had retail mass Retail's been buying the dip like i don't think i have to explain what that means so right <laughs> I, I i think it's a disaster I, I think people haven't gotten the memo yet i mean listen the reason we were all bearish before had nothing to do with ukraine we didn't know about the ukraine it all had to do with liquidity and michael howe and the economy's going to slow down and profit margins are going to roll over and inflation's too high and it's not transitory and blah blah blah, 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 okay? Now we have this horrible conflict, which you know, hopefully can be intentional. It must be, it'll, it'll go away sooner rather than later, but listen to Schmuckatelli talk. I'm not holding my breath. Um, and this is really the accelerant. This is just exacerbating the problems that we had before in terms of rising resource prices and the supply-side shocks and so on and so forth. And now, on top of it, you layer on, as Bobby Jay was talking about, we get the specter of uh, looming credit problems, particularly coming out of, out of out of Europe and liquidity problems. So there's no other way to count it. I, yeah. think, I think it's a freaking disaster. All right, let's go to the second question, Bobby J. Real quick, any thoughts on
4: European insurers? Bobby J. Yeah, I'm here. It's sure. going to take. It's uh, the insurers have been trading down, but it's going to take. Bear in mind, it took five years for non-performing loans to peak after the great financial crisis in Europe. And uh, we're, we're, this is going to be the same here. The, Europe has just been kneecapped. And this is uh, th- they were not ready. They were not capable of handling this. So it's going to take a good five years to sort this out.
0: Thanks, Bobby. And then quickly, was the last question? and You're not going to be allowed to follow up because you managed very, very cleverly to sweep, to sweep, to sweep uh,
11: sneak three questions in at the outset. What was the third question? The one that we didn't answer? Yeah, sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, so uh, the third question is uh, related to uh, the disruption that uh, for production purposes uh, that was mentioned. Uh, extrapolating that to a high-tech production, do you also foresee a high-tech uh, getting similar? Uh, All right. know, I, I, I,
0: I'm going to cut that one off. Um, you
11: know, I, I, I joked earlier
0: in the room about Neon. Just go look up, Just Google Neon and see. Sure, you know, sure. You we'll know, do. You know. And, and, and they're apparently responsible for like 50% of global. Ukraine's responsible for 50% of global neon production. And 90% of the neon that goes to some high-end semiconductor manufacturing uh, uh, process in the United States. So, you know, not that we all got to become neon experts, but that's a, just think, a good example of another product which, you know, is not front and center. And um, Shabam's going to go next. Uh, but I think there's a lot of that stuff that's going to go down. I, and, and, and Abe talked about it yesterday. I don't want to get into it again today because, again, we're running a bar time. But I suspect you're going to see a lot of other situations like that where you're just going to be screw-ups and supply chains and missing widget piece. So, you know, Toyota can't make the car or whatever. So thanks for the question. You always ask great questions. All right, we're going to go to Shabam, and then we're going to do Lenfant. Shabam, what's up?
12: Hey, George. Thanks again for having me. Uh, is the audio all okay? Yep.
0: You're good. You're good. Uh, Keep going. Go on.
12: Perfect. Um, so I just want to make a quick comment on the oil markets. I mean, you you just hit the nail on the head there. There's going to be a lot of messing around here with supply chains and whatnot, and oil is kind of the front and center of it. And I just want to make one comment as as to what we're seeing here. So Alberta, the big oil production province in Canada, just announced that they're they're going to completely remove the gasoline tax, and they're paying they're giving people subsidies for the for the price of natural gas to heat their homes. So. I think this is the only way out of this oil supply demand problem we're in. We we have to have higher oil prices for the next few years, um, which is going to bring upon more supply, uh, lower demand a little bit, and, and increase the technological innovations. And the only way we keep oil prices high and the consumers happy is with removing taxes and with subsidies on, on incentivizing demand. And it's going to be up to governments here to to find the fine balance where they don't create this huge monster demand scenario either but they kind of keep people happy, where people aren't, you know, losing their shirt. They can't go to work. They can't pay for for heating their homes, etc. So it's it's an interesting time we're coming on, where governments are really pressed against the wall here to 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 reduce the taxes on gasoline and carbon and whatnot. And the whole ESG thing can just go crumbling down here. And and we'll see who's who kind of keeps keeps wanting to push that mantra and who and who backs down, given that there's a lot of government elections coming up here soon, and you don't want a populace that's hungry and cold and and are willing to kick you out of power for that. So, uh, just my two cents, and thanks for having me again.
0: Shabam, always, you're, you're so knowledgeable. Question for you, follow up, if I may. Um, I've been reading the last few days. Someone's uh, talking about Kane. By the way, Shalhaib's not here, and I think all God's in the audience. So, I got you guys covered. I, there aren't enough of you guys. By the way, if you, always, you don't know, Shabam is like one of the most knowledgeable experts on energy and Canadian oil stocks in particular. Uh, he's a must follow. He's also got his own website. He's incredibly generous. He gives away his work for nothing. If you want to do deep dives and knowing what oil stocks to own, he does webinars, zooms, whatever. I mean, it's like ridiculous. I mean, he's better than, I'm going to say Shabam and I don't embarrass you. Someday we're going to meet. I mean, he's better than any, with only a couple of exceptions. He's better than any big-time, you know, name-brand oil analyst in the street, right? He really is incredible. And what I like is he uses the kiss method to keep it simple, stupid, so even idiots like me can understand it. So, Shabam, I want ask you a question. So, I was reading about – I was talking to some guy yesterday about Canadian Energy stocks, and, you know, we all know the reasons I've learned from you. They're, they're more attractive because they're cheaper and they're faster growing. You know, they got better reserves life. they got lower depletion rates. The piping is improving, so the differentials go away. I think I'm, how am I doing, Shabam? I think I'm, ch- I'm channeling my inner Shabam pretty well. In any event, so this wise guy throws back to me, he goes, yeah, but the reason they sell at discounts to the U.S. guys is because this carbon tax thing, and I was reading up about it, like, you know, I know you got this carbon tax. I always get confused with the liters and the gallons, but I was reading it up and you got this carbon tax. It's going to go up like 20, 30, you know, by, from something to something. But then when I read about it, I think it's only like I don't know, two percent or three percent of the price you pay at the pump, and maybe it'll be twenty percent. You know, eight years from now, whatever. It just didn't seem very relevant to me in looking at Canadian energy names. And so, leave me aside whether or not we get a rollback of this stuff. Apropos, what you were just saying a second ago in the context of Alberta, is is this is this these carbon taxes that have been? You know, they they they, they passed the law. they supposed to be a scheduled increase over a number of years. Is this at all relevant or not in looking at Canadian energy companies?
12: Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you so much. You you're way too kind, um, and I I appreciate the uh, the shout out. Um, so as far as the the carbon tax goes, I I don't really think it matters because. The, the end consumer is paying that. So the companies still make their money. They they pass on this cost to their refiners and the pipelines and whatnot. And then the refiners pass it on right to the end consumer. So the companies are still making a ton of cash. Now, some of the companies will get hit. The ones are emitting a lot of carbon from some of their projects, but it's just not material enough to really matter. On the other end, there are companies that are doing carbon capture schemes. So they inject carbon deep in the ground. Uh, they got these machines on their compressors and their infrastructure that that collect the carbon from the exhaust pipes, et cetera, they might actually benefit from this because if the government is is charging you $170 a ton to emit carbon by 2030, I believe that's the number, that means if you can save those emissions, the government will almost pay you to not emit that carbon. So so it's almost a benefit and there's certain producers that can really benefit going forward.
0: I I, I remember I actually met in a virtual conference last December white cap which i think is a major beneficiary of that is that is that one of the names that that, that works in that scenario
12: yeah bet you bet your white cap's probably the biggest one um here in canada and they're they're net zero already they're actually uh putting more carbon in the ground than they emit so it's uh yeah. it's a great one to point right. out.
0: that's great thanks for that shabam all right let's move on stay on stage Shabam. Should sure there'll be some follow-up and energy questions all right we're going to go to and i'm sorry if i'm not i'm doing this out of order but it's just so much. This has been unbelievable room. And it's unbelievable because all of you, all the contributions you make. So we're going to do. Oh, OK, so we're doing Lafon, and then we're going to do um, Mashunishi. Oh, Lafon, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Hey, thanks, George.
13: Um, I just wanted to share a couple quick thoughts following up on, on uh, Joe's on if that's all right. Go you for fine? it. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, yeah, so uh, first thing up front real quick, um, just anybody who's looking at trying to place trades based on a thesis of how the conflict is going to develop, like, I'm just strongly encourage against that or, or, or hedge this because, you know, wars look deterministic in hindsight, but the reality is that it's it's chaotic and it's like a football game where both sides have a vote and they're both responding to each other. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking what's what's Putin's next move. I'm not sure that Putin even knows what his next move is right now, which is to say that like he is reacting to the situation in real time and adapting because they made some really poor miscalculations in the the opening of this invasion. Um, Right now they are actively regrouping. So I think we're gonna see the next phase of this conflict start taking off. Uh, I think the two things to really look for is is one, Kyiv is definitely the the key terrain of the conflict. Uh, That's gonna continue to be one of the big focuses of the Russian military. And that convoy, uh, 40 miles long, that hasn't been really brought to bear yet on Kyiv. Like, that's going to be the big thing to watch is how that goes. Uh, Kyiv has had a number of days now to be preparing defenses. It looks like they have been actively preparing defenses. And so this could be a really uh, bloody conflict for the Russians as they move in. But at the same time, the, the core Russian military doctrine is heavily focused on fires. So you can see them start really bombarding Kyiv uh, in the lead up to this. So this, this is the phase where things are probably going to start getting <clears throat> really bad around Kyiv. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of people are focusing on the north, rightly so, because that is the key terrain. But but Russia's actually been making a lot of progress in the south. Um, the, the north is definitely where Ukraine has, has outperformed uh, and caused a lot of havoc on the Russians. But in the south they've really been consolidating territory and it looks increasingly like they're gonna move for Odessa. If they do, that is gonna cut off Ukraine from their main sort of supply route that that equipment has been coming through thus far. Uh, So that's gonna make it a lot more difficult for Ukraine to be able to continue getting outside aid, uh, both from a military and an economic perspective. And it's gonna make a lot more difficult for them um, to be able to hold their defenses. Uh, As far as timing, you know, when the US went into Iraq, uh, there was a really good, well thought out plan of attack for how to get to Baghdad. It was executed really well. It, it took about a month. Uh, the conflict was planned to be over in a few months and it ended up spiraling into a 10 year occupation and then a continued military presence even after that. So this really could go a lot of different ways. It's, it's definitely not out of the question that within a couple of weeks, this could be resolved with some sort of um uh, agreement between the two sides but it could just as easily be something that just slowly spirals out of control and goes on for years or due to a miscalculation could expand beyond Ukraine you know that's still very much a tail
6: risk but it's 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 not out of the question um hey, hey mike i'm just curious it's my understanding 25% of russian net gas runs through pipelines in ukraine if that's an accurate number why doesn't he just blow those things up this uh this Zelensky why doesn't Zelensky well it's my understanding I read someplace who knows if that's real but if it's real it said that 25 percent of Russian natural gas pipelines run through Ukraine why doesn't Zelensky just take those not gas pipelines out that'd be the first thing I'd do uh, uh, there's a lot of different reasons that you might
13: want to be avoiding doing something like that. Uh, it could be that they want to continue to, to try to preserve the, you know, everything related to energy for how the conflict may go in the end. Um, Ukraine, the, the infrastructure that they focused on blowing up so far has just been the stuff to slow down the Russian advance. So things like bridges to the northwest of Kiev. Um, I don't know that it really Serves them a lot of good to destroy their own infrastructure from an economic perspective, um, even if that would be something that hurts Putin. Like, I, I don't think that they believe that they'd be able to, by cutting him off from that, have much of an impact on Putin's ability to wage the war beyond what the West is already doing from the sanctions. So I think they're going to be focusing all their combat power on continuing to disrupt the Russian advance and drag that out. Because, you know, as, as Joe mentioned, Every day that the conflict continues, every day that the Russians don't take kyiv is a, is you know a loss for Russia and a, and a gain for Ukraine.
6: And, and I'm just curious if I'm a Russian oligarch and they're freezing my boats and yachts and assets and everything else. You know there are a few. There's a lot of these guys, and between them and the Romanians and the Ukrainians, these boys are vicious military guys. I mean, these guys. I you know if you ever met any of those guys, they they are ruthless, man. And you know what? You know, I'm thinking here. Why in the hell doesn't one of these guys have them taken out? I mean, is there a likelihood of any kind, of some kind, there be a coup d'état there?
13: Well,
6: my understanding of the, the power brokers
13: in Russia beyond Putin, that there's kind of two groups. There's the the oligarchs that, that Putin has enriched, and then there's sort of like the strongmen, which are the 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 guys in senior positions within the military, the intelligence services, et cetera. The strongmen are definitely ruthless bastards, but they tend to be aligned with Putin uh, and they don't really give a shit about the economy. If anything, they might think this is a good thing because it brings Russia back to, you know, autarky and dependence on themselves. Um, for the oligarchs, the I, I think it's a bit of a misnomer to like think about this sort of like a, a mafia type of situation. Putin really is their protector. Uh, he is the source of their... If, you know, if Putin goes, they could be exposed to all kinds of different corruption charges from all kinds of other people and infighting within themselves. Putin is the one that's enriched them. Putin is the one that has given them everything that they have. They're not really in a position, as I understand it, to be able to really exert a lot of power uh, against Putin. The, the men, I think, are better placed for that. But as I say, I think they're aligned with Putin and, mm-hmm. and likely really supportive
6: of this. And the last time I, the last number I've seen, if it's again legit or not, I don't know, there was about 8 trillion or so ruble corporate debt outstanding. I'm assuming the banks there, the Russian banks own that. The ruble's now, you know, uh, a penny, right, for a ruble or something. You know, did they, I mean, you know, it, for, from my perspective, you're looking from the outside and notwithstanding the, you know, some of the, the, the exclusions from the sanctions and so on by all accounts i mean this uh, russia is now north korea i'm just curious i mean do you have an opinion here as how the banking system would survive that kind of a devaluation in their assets on their balance sheet and and is this you know north so three, korea mill
0: three three, 3 three, hold on hold on hold on um i with respect don't ask me for military advice I don't really want to ask Lawful for his financial. Insights. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. All right, so, so I'm going to cut you off on that one. With, with, with love, my friend. Okay, it, 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 we want to get Bobby J back in here. That's
1: fine, but it's really not for Law La Hey, George, what, George. 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 Yes. Hold on a sec, guys. We've we've had a lot. Actually, quite a few speakers today talk about Russia being a North Korea. And I just got to say, just because I've heard it so many times now, look, comparing Russia to North Korea is complete. I mean, I think we're we're losing sight here. I mean, Russia their biggest trading partners potentially going forward are going to be the two biggest countries with the biggest populations, China and India. So to think that they're like a North Korea is, is is completely, I think, uh, missing the point. I think well, Russia, and yeah, Putin. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think they under... That's the way you got to look at it, I think. Yeah, well,
6: here. well, O'Hare, can I just ask a quick question, George, about that? So no, many, no, oh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. Go, 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 go. He's going to lay down this the a, hammer.
0: No, this is a rabbit hole, and I know... We can talk about like this next world. time. People are taking words, seizing on words out of context. Yep. Everyone's talking past each other. You know, when it when it when, when it was out of context, and this is how you, things get fucked up in social media. that comment, I can't remember who said it about North Korea. That's about like you don't give a shit. He'll just run over people, start get, it wasn't about they want to go back to the stone age. But let's just let's just move on. Yeah. So it's how we right. like the law false. So law fault, most importantly, uh, and we had schmucketelli in the room before. And the sense from him was that you know this ain't going away. It's not going to resolve anytime soon. So two questions. Everything else I think is less important. Uh, A, um, if you were in charge, you were commander general of of the U.S. you know armed forces, the whole deal. What would you do? Like like if you're Blinken or Biden or whoever, like and given that you got to give Putin something from a game theory standpoint. I know we don't know what's in his head, but your best guess. What do you think we'd have to give him, whether it's just, you know, a promise that Ukraine never becomes part of NATO and or he gets the Donbass or Crimea or whatever? Like, what do you think it's going to take to 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 to, to make this thing stop? And then two time frame, we talk in days, weeks, months, years. So go ahead.
13: Two questions. Uh, yeah, I think the first thing I would say is just to preface that um, I don't think that there is. Uh, a a likely path from here in terms of timing i, I think there's there, there really is a ton of uncertainty and anybody who thinks that they know how this is going to develop i i think doesn't know what they're talking about or thinking about um, I, I think there's an outside chance that this comes to a conclusion in the next few weeks if it does it will be because of a negotiation because russia um basically outruns their logistics and does the calculation and says, I don't want this to drag on for years, let's go ahead and, and, and cut. I think from a negotiating position, um, you know, Blinken or whomever, part of the difficulty is that, you know, Crimea and the Donbass, to, to Joe's point, I think are gonna be key parts of this for, for any kind of negotiation coming out of this. I think that's gonna be difficult for Ukraine to give up, but may not be impossible if, if you know they wanna be able to maintain the rest of the country going forward. But part of the difficulty is that before this, part of the reason that Putin did that, uh, moved into Donbass and then annexed Crimea, is that no country can be admitted to NATO as long as they have contested borders. So that was basically his veto chip was holding those positions. Ukraine wouldn't be able to enter NATO uh, under that kind of condition. If those become officially recognized and the borders are redrawn, then that would leave the rest of Ukraine theoretically to be able to to start the process of joining NATO. So I think at a minimum, in addition to that terrain, he is gonna require some sort of guarantee that Ukraine remain neutral. I think, and you know, I'm not inside Putin's head, but I think given how costly this war has been and it did not go the way that he was hoping it would in the opening stages, I think he would accept an outcome like that instead of you know taking over, annexing the entirety of Ukraine. I don't actually know that that's the case. Uh, and I also don't know that Ukraine would, would ever get to a point where they're ready to accept that, giving up both of those regions. I get it.
0: I get it. Let, last question. I'm going to move on. Um, what was all that craziness we saw on TV last Thursday night where it looked like, you know, Thursday night at our time, it looked like the Russians were firing on that nuclear reactor and blah, blah, blah. Like, was that out of context? Or what the hell was going on there in
13: Lafayette? Uh, Yeah, that was a firefight. Um, It sounded like uh, a round landed near one of the reactors um, and started a fire but didn't actually cause a fire. Uh, But yeah, Russians did actually move in and briefly took over the the power plant. It was then being run or operated under Russian control, basically at gunpoint is is what I read. Uh, And then Ukraine came back and and uh, it looks like retook it. I, I haven't seen the latest status on it, but yeah, that was. Right, right. This,
0: wasn't, this wasn't one of these James, James Bond goldfinger things where they were trying to blow up no. the
13: nuclear plant. That, 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 that was not the case, correct? Uh, no, I, I don't think that would serve. That would fuck Russia just as much as anybody else if they were actually to blow it up. Like the radiation would get blown all up Got either it. down over Crimea or up into Russia. It or it, it, or all like right.
0: that. that was just a fight. Thank you, Lawful. All right, let's move on. We're gonna do mash. We're gonna do uh, Mashinishi and then we're gonna do KFED. Mashinishi, what's
10: up? Hey George, thanks for uh, thanks for this awesome spaces. Um, I just wanted to ask a few questions. Moving back to markets, um, we see we've we've like seen a move into defensives with uh, utilities and uh, healthcare leading, um, but we haven't seen we we've seen a relative strength in long end yields. So, how do you make sense of that? Um, and then, uh,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on. Defensive's easy enough to understand. They they got less earnings volatility, better balance sheets. Um, you know, less betas, so they're outperforming. They're still going down in relative. They're still going down, but they're outperforming relative terms. What's the question about duration? I didn't quite understand the question. What's the question, please?
10: Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask, how do you make sense of the relative strength and long end yields? Um, where you say long yields, meaning bond prices going up, yields going down? Uh, no, 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 yields, yields staying strong.
0: Oh, yeah. So actually, that's a good question. And I had tweeted this out like a week ago. And, you know, even despite all the end of the world, you know, blah, 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 um, yields really didn't go down very much. And I thought that was very interesting. And I think it plays into the uh, inflation narrative. Um, and I think inflation, you know, is not transitory. And I think we have an inflationary spiral on our hands. And in fact, depending on how this thing plays out, um, this crisis could even exacerbate that. You know, you got yields at 177 right now in the 10 year. Um, I think we peaked that a little bit over two. I got to look this back up, but it's kind of interesting at you know, 205 was the peak. You know, it's kind of interesting despite the world coming to an end or specter of nuclear disaster, um, you know, yields are hanging in there, and to me, that's testimony. Till we get through this, you know, who knows what's going to happen? As was saying, like I think, I think yields are going a lot higher. I do want to read. This is just you can't under under you can't make this shit up. Heading, um, let me just find it. Uh, and this is the insanity of Wall Street investing. And I, I just I love re reading this thing. This is like one of the most stupid things I've seen, and I can't remember how long. You guys can find this on Zero Hedge today. It's a um, it's a research piece from this European firm BC something Research. Let me give, give me thirty seconds to read this to you. It says rising risk of nuclear apocalypse. Three aces, of, Abe. I want to know what you think of this. Abe and three aces and, 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 and O'Hare. Rising risk of a nuclear apocalypse. Vladimir Putin has now committed himself to orchestrating a regime change in Kiev. Anything less would be seen as a defeat for him. Assuming he succeeds, and it is far from obvious that he will, the resulting insurgency uh, will drain Russian resources. Blah, 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 blah. Let me just keep going on here. Um, Here we go. Although there is a huge margin of error around any estimate, subjectively, we would assign an uncomfortably high 10% chance of a civilization-ending global nuclear war over the next 12 months. Even if uh, uh, here we go. Even if World War III is ultimately averted, markets could, ex- could experience a freakout moment over the next few weeks, similar to what happened at the outset of the pandemic. Google. Okay, now drum roll. Listen carefully. I have never. This is the most atrocious piece of strategy I've ever seen in my 41 years in this business. Here we go, drum roll. Wait for it. Despite the risk of nuclear war, it makes sense to stay constructive on stocks over the next 12 months. Abe, I want your take on this. Listen to this in three aces and, and oh here. If an ICBM is heading your way, the size and composition of your portfolio becomes irrelevant. Thus, from a purely financial perspective, You should largely ignore existential risk, even if you do care about it greatly from a personal perspective. Bottom line, the risk of Armageddon has risen dramatically. However, stay bullish on stocks on a 12-month horizon. Abe, what do you say to that?
9: (laughs) Sorry, guys. I just went to get something neat, so I missed that. Uh, George, what are you asking me? All right, let's go to
1: the
6: next one. Abe, we'll get back to you. Thanks, guys. So, so are we saying the, the rise of the risk of Armageddon is coming to our stock portfolio? So, is that. Is that the? No, the, no, no, no. no. The, the
0: point was three is that even though the world may go to zero. You should stay mm-hmm. constructive on
6: stocks. Oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> you know, so the, the the part of the problem for me here in this environment is that we've been saying that this is going to be happening for a year. You know, so now that it's happening, I'm already looking at what's next, right? So, you know, for me, I mean, I think the the major indices, you know, notwithstanding these big bounces and stuff. Are you know at least 25, 30 oh, really? percent plus All right. All right. on the way down. Yeah. So yeah. until that happens, yep. I don't you know I don't even, you know like this is just kind of hanging out on the. I, beach I know I know I know yeah. we're just we're right. kind of hanging out of here. I know. All right. Yeah yeah. Yep. All
0: right. Let's move on. So we did Mashinisu. So let's do uh, KFab and then uh, Dave KFab and then Ag KFab. How you doing? Good to see you, my friend. What's up?
14: Hey hey George. I'm here for my daily installment of uh, waterfall slash crash update. So, um, you're in the so, right place. Well, right. So, um, again, uh, listen to Tommy earlier. Uh,
0: Gayfab's G-Fab, coming in here with his daily Fibonacci setup, looking for the
14: weekly No, 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 not, not, to, <laughs> not per, per per Bach and uh, Benoit Mandelbrot much, much higher horsepower. But, um, so, um, you know, we talked, we talked about probably a month ago that the setup was here for, you know, a big problem um and i've been saying for two weeks now that um the way the markets are behaving is emblematic of what happens when the c word happens and now late last week you had europe start to crash uh friday and today the emerging markets joined the party including you can just look at um exchange traded funds for people in the room i mean look at emlc which is uh, local local uh, uh, currency emerging market ETF. Uh, look at Singapore. Look at Korea. Look at the big ones VWO and EM. I mean, we're in firmly in waterfall decline territory. The U.S. market just joined the party today, um, and I, you know some of the stuff that I look at that suggests okay, maybe we're close to a tradable low uh like some of the lesser liquid preferred stocks that you know blow out and start going well below yeah yeah. so the, the the other big thing is that the way volatility markets are trading um it still looks really weird to me and and as if people are not buying tail risk no one's afraid um you know, stew hasn't responded and um you know so I, I i'm not telling people to panic what i'm saying is have a plan be prepared have cash and uh get off any leverage including the people that have made a ton of money and energy in these commodities because you know you've seen things like utility stocks have gone vertical in the last year um so that's the kind of like reverberation of volatility that's spreading and there's a, that, when that happens, trap doors emerge. So people are all rotating and crowding into places. And that, that suggests that really fear hasn't come in or indiscriminate selling because they're rotating into utilities. They're not selling them.
6: <laughs> You're so, having too
14: much fun, George. I know.
0: This is dangerous. <laughs> I'm like, you give your little kid a new toy? I got to say, I love this. thing. KFAB, 100%. Um, so, I mean, like we said, we've all been in the, we've all been seeing the ball really well. And, uh, I don't know. I just think just nothing to see or just move along. It's going according to the plan, follow the plan. Wouldn't you say, k Yeah.
14: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, again, the U.S. The, the other part of this that, probably, you know, I haven't heard anyone talk about is the U.S. has been the recipient of a huge amount of capital flows with this going down in Europe. Um, you know money's pouring out of europe pouring into the us you're seeing it in russian capital flows cuz they're repatriating so you know capital's flooding into into russia so some of that's been you know bleeding into the dollar obviously but also into us assets but again if you're panicking you're not buying stocks so we this this is so early where people are saying oh i need to get out of war torn europe let me go buy apple
0: no you're totally right Kfab, you I think we lost you wanna unmute yourself? Kfab?
3: Yeah.
0: I think we lost you. Were or are you done? Yeah, I was done. Alright, cool. Appreciate it. As always, Kfab, love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely brilliant. Um really, really good. All right. Oh hey, are you gonna have to unplug this thing for me because I, I got my new toy here. All right. <laughs> now, so now We got Dave, just, Dave has been like, Dave is, I love Dave's tweet. So Dave, I'm I'm glad you're in the room. What's going on, my friend?
10: Hey, everybody. Uh, I got a question for Shabam, I guess. I'm going to maybe tie it back to uh, Schmuckatelli's take on the Russia-Ukraine situation. I I think the gist of that was this is going to last. This conflict is not going to resolve quickly. Therefore, the Russian barrel is going to remain toxic, whether it's officially sanctioned or self-sanctioned. So we've got Biden basically shaking every tree now to try to get barrels out of Venezuela or Iran. Uh, we saw some stats. I think, Shabam, you posted around U.S. drilling activity. Rig count's actually down. OPEC drilling's actually trending down over the past five, ten years as well. So this is a leading question, and I, I apologize, but just I guess over to you is like, where are those missing barrels going to come from? They're not. Shabam, you got an answer?
12: Yeah, you that that is the answer they're not people are going to pay for it and uh that's just the reality of, of where yeah, we're going yeah, here
0: yeah, i mean dave you're a smart guy i mean shabam you help me on this one i think we're looking at demand destruction there there ain't no more supply right now it's demand destruction it's not
12: yeah but right? but i, but so I think the ahead. one thing i will say the one thing i will say is that we've never had a supply demand deficit so let's say russia is down two million barrels you know two and a half, three. Let's say. Um, supply demand gap is like three to four to five million barrels a day we've never seen that level of demand destruction like we would have to have the entire global economy come to a complete halt for for that sort of demand destruction like when COVID first hit the entire world shut down and and we destructed demand by 20 million barrels a day only with every single jet down people staying home and people doing nothing we were still at 80 percent of our current world consumption of oil so just put that into perspective like the demand destruction required here is on a level that that we may not reach. So I think it's gonna require some of these subsidies and stimulus that I kind of mentioned to 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 um to get there and, and inventories will just keep going down. There's no supply coming online here anytime soon. And uh that's what makes this commodity trade very interesting because um uh yeah, go ahead.
10: I gotta I gotta follow up and that's that's kind of where you're going, I think, is is how long do you see this trade or this play lasting for? Like I know we keep hearing early innings you know, Nuttall, Jeff Curry, others, you know, yourself, many years, it sounds like. So is this is this a, a long ride north of 100? That's we're talking years oh in the God. making?
12: All aboard. Shabam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I think I think it's gonna be a while yet. I mean, the only thing that's gonna stop this is more supply coming online. And, and how do you get more supply? Well, you need sustained pricing for a year or two. And and people jamming dollars back into the ground to increase production, which don't come online for two, three, four years. So the world has got used to cheap energy, um, thanks to American shale and, and their Ponzi schemes. But um, yeah, the, the real cost of oil has just gone way up, and, and the world is gonna have to get used to it. There's no there's no other answer, and you know, people are gonna hurt. That's that's the harsh reality.
0: Shabam for the win. Thanks for the question, Dave. Let's move on. We're gonna do Let's see, A.G. and then Robert. A.G., what's up?
10: Hey, thanks, George. Um, didn't know if anyone had any speculation on if the Fed went full yield curve control. What we see out of markets Would that suppress volatility, or you know, are they going to come save our ship? Or well, before, 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 before actually, I think it would probably increase vol. No, it
0: would increase what do you, volatility. What do you guys think? It would increase volatility. Hold on, A.G. A.G. I'm going to answer your question or whoever was answering the, asking the question. So, um, no, you know, for them to do a yield curve control, like, I think it may eventually happen. I mean, my guess is shit's going to hit the fan. This is going to get worse. You know, despite everything they're saying, you know, they may go to a one and done or two rate increases or whatever. Who the hell knows? They're going to get further behind the curve. It's going to be more stimulative. Rates will start to drift up. But, you know, come on. Uh, Ten years at 177 right now. Starts going up up, enough. I have to engage in yield curve control, which basically means that the punch bowl is not being taken away from the economy as inflationary uh, pressures intensify. I've tweeted this out a million times. The Fed is so far behind the curve, it can't even see the curve. You know, Google Stephen Roach, R-O-A-C-H. Stephen Roach, uh, former vice chairman of Morgan Stanley Asia, Yale professor, personal friend, started his career in the 60s at the Arthur Burns Fed. This is like ridiculous what they're doing. I mean, the Fed is always political, but now it's completely out of control. They have no they have no plan. It's kind of like Putin. They're making it up. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, you know, again, and and I made this point with O'Hare yesterday. It's sort of like the careening down an ice covered mountain road going from one side of the road to the next. And and they, they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, yeah, they may eventually get to yield curve control. But that's just going to that, that, that's a that, that's like Shabam was talking about subsidizing consumers for uh, uh, for energy purchases. If they start, sub, you know, they try to suppress the yields. I mean, what you need to be doing is, is taking the punch bowl away, not spiking it more. And yield curve control would just be another form of spiking the punch bowl. So I think it's complete lunacy. So thanks for the question, A.G. Robert, you got a question?
8: Hello, George. I'm a first-time caller. I'm a contrarian. I got AMC and GM at GameStop because they're really
12: uh, down right now, so I'm taking contrarian back. Am I diversified enough, or should I buy PowerSex too?
8: Okay. uh, Joking aside, um, Thanks for having me again, uh, quick comment on on yields. Um, it's actually exactly like you said, it's the break even component that's been uh, rising and the real yield that's been falling. So uh, it's exactly that inflation story that we're seeing in the long end of the yield curve. Um, but I had a question um, regarding currencies. Um, there's been a lot of huge movements recently and I haven't really heard much uh, People talking about that, but the euro is absolutely getting demolished. Um, it's the main reason the dollar is up. Actually, I think it's worth yep. checking out some dollars.
0: Hundred percent, yep. Okay, what's the question?
8: 100%. So, um, where's how is this currency volatility that we're seeing? How is that going to play out? All right, like,
0: so, 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 who knows? I'll tell you what. Volatility usually starts in currencies, goes to goes to fixed income, and then to equities. That's and that's what we're seeing. All right. Um, you know, clearly, for obvious reasons, Europe is kind of fucked right here. Um, and so, and I mentioned this the, the other day in the room, you know, going back to the 80s in Japan, I, I, I talk, spoke about how we, they, what would buoy their mar- equity markets was a so, so-called triple merit scenario, where you had um, uh, uh, falling oil prices. Now we have rising oil prices here in the U.S. We had um, a strong dollar. Which was keeping actually capital flows um, uh, in. Now you can argue the strong dollars are positive in the in the sense that it, 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 it well, actually it's not a positive. It's horrible for earnings. And furthermore, if you want to attract more capital flows on a voluntary basis, I mean, having a war. I mean, if you're a real conspiracy theorist, you'd say, well, you know. And, and I know some crackpots. Like, it gets really dark the three aces. Knows these people too part of the reason they started the war was to like force capital out of Europe into the U S we can fund our deficits, but you know, let's not go there. Uh, I think we're going to do that kind of room. We got to do this late at night we're drinking heavily, but, um, the rise, which you rightly point out, the rise of, uh, of the dollar is a huge, huge, huge negative. All right. Um, yeah, it's a, okay. And, and it's interesting. These commodity prices are all going up, even though the dollar's strong, you know, put that in your dividend discount model and smoke it. All right. So, no, you have you have you have rising oil prices. You have a strong dollar, which is bad for the economy. And you don't have rising interest rates, but you certainly don't have falling interest rates. And, you know, if it wasn't for this this Russian uh, Ukraine tragedy, I suspect would be a lot higher. And the ultimately, they are going a lot higher. So I hope that answers your question. I'm sorry to be so to cut you off and be so brief, but I, I want to bring this room to an end. And we only I want to get to everybody. So let's just move on. Uh, okay. We have three people left who haven't spoken and I'm going to bring them up. And if anyone else has a question, uh, raise your hand. Cause we're going to be closing this room in the next 10 minutes. I'm bringing up here, um, We've got Andrew, followed by Viking, followed by Stefan. Andrew, welcome to the stage. What's up?
8: Oh, hey George. I didn't know if um Bobby uh, Jay had spoken about this, but with the European banks being so weak, and then today, sort of the J.P. Morgans and Cities, are, I guess they're sort of trying to price in the Russian exposure. Um, with City City close to over maybe over ten billion, but but they do have you know th- these banks are big they have over trillions maybe 2 trillion in net assets so so and their tier 1 ratios are, aren't the, really the problem but um, i wanted to know your take on on the banks um, um you, you know I, we we saw some of them trying to de-risk a little bit before this so maybe they were maybe they had seen this uh, foreseen this a little bit C- cities trying to de-risk their book a little bit they got rid of their indonesian mexico um
0: yeah, so, so Andrew, let me cut you off. I mean, banks, I wouldn't touch, I wouldn't wish them on my mother-in-law, okay? I think they're a fucking disaster. I don't want to hear about value and all this horse shit, all right? We've now gone from, we're just worrying, you know, you know the lazy CNBC asshole, you know, fin twit Nigerian Demento brother view. Oh, you got to buy the banks because of the yield curve. Are you fucking kidding me? All right? So that's been debunked. All right. I think you've now got a credit, you've got an emerging liquidity, credit uh, quality problem, um, transmission mechanism from, uh, you know, Russia to the European banks, possibly the U.S. And if you were in the room at the beginning, I read I read about how, you know, like, you know, explain to me how this might not be a Lehman moment, you know, taking that page from uh, that great line from the movie Margin called Jeremy Irons, you know, explain to me how we couldn't, we, we, we this might not be a, a Lehman moment. Pretend I'm a small child or a golden retriever. All right. So like, you know, all of a sudden if uh $300 billion worth of Russian uh, assets vaporized, you know, they can't, they, they can't get their hands on the money. Cause it's stuck on the SWIFT system. And then you get, you know, uh, payments failing and so on and so forth the domino effect. So no, I would run, don't walk away from the financials. I think they're a fucking disaster. I think, I think value, and they're not really cheap either. I mean, if you look at JP Mortgage as an example, all right, which is you know the quality bank, okay. I mean, like, give me a fucking break. This thing is on hold up here. It's so one and a half times book. It's not cheap. I mean, so what? And if we get a bear market, they're gonna have markdowns. I <clears throat> mean,
1: the volumes are it gonna depends, go down. Uh, no. George, no. also the book, the book is suspect. Let's uh, be honest, the book is suspect in all these mics.
0: Yeah, so here we'll save for another room, but oh here's forgotten more banks than I'll ever know. No, this is a value trap. Stay away from financials. Sell, sell, sell. All right. Um, We got Stefan. What's up, Stefan?
12: Hey, George. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, my question is for Shabam. Hey, Shabam, uh, why do you think the shale guys are not coming on uh,
8: with additional barrels right now with oil at $120 a barrel
12: now? And if If they're not going to come on and supply the market, who is going to bring the additional supply, the two or three million barrels that are needed to bridge the supply demand gap? I think you just made the bull case for holding oil commodities for the next uh, three to five years right there. That's,
15: there's no answer to
12: your your question. And um, as to why they won't bring it on, there's two reasons. One, management is now getting paid for cash flow instead of production and management, management's going to look out for themselves. They don't care about the American consumer or the public. If they get paid to to get cash flow, that's what they're going to do. And um, that's very different since 2014 when they were getting paid for production growth. And B, um, their inventories are not as good as they were telling you. They they were telling you they had 30, 40, 50 years of inventory. It's only 10. So now if they increase production by 15, 20% a year, they only got five years of production. And guess what's going to um, happen after that? The management's going to get fired. So that's not what they want. So... They want their cushy, cozy jobs, and that's what they're going to do. So look at human nature and human ego. You can always find a story there. Yeah, Thank you. Sh-
0: Sh- Shabam, it's perfect. Again, you know, Charlie Munger, please call your office. You show me the incentives. I'll show you the outcome. You hit the nail on the head. Um, all right. Oh, here, I've lost track here. Um, who hasn't spoken that's on the stage? I, I've lost track. Is there ever is, there, is there anyone on stage not spoken? I can't remember who hasn't spoken. We
1: had uh, Vanverse. What's up? All right. So, yeah, Vanverse, what's up, man?
10: Yeah. Hey, George. How are
11: you? Yeah. Um, So looking at the market, higher interest rates, um, higher commodity prices, I think emerging markets are going to get hit. Uh, Many, many banks will have problems, liquidity issues. My question um, was the conventional wisdom about the impact of uh, liquidity issues on uh, Bitcoin? and the crypto market in general. All
0: right, so so, so just, I should state this. Oh, if it's the first time in my room, I'll be polite to seem like a nice guy. You know, we don't discuss crypto in, in polite company, okay? You know, I think crypto is a complete pile of shit. If you want to go find people to have a sort of, you know, mutual admiration society, there are plenty of spaces, Twitter spaces and clubhouse rooms for that. This is not the place uh, for fantasy. So I'm sorry, but I am seriously anti-crypto. You know it's proven yet again. It's not a it's not a store of value. Thank you for asking the question. Give me a sh- chance to shit on crypto. Um, it's not a store of value. It's a number go up, you know, up to the right, and it's a complete fraud. Michael Kantrowitz, K-A-N-T-R-O-W-I-T-Z, smart dude. Cornerstone uh, macro got taken over now. Uh, Piper um, uh, Handler. I can't got the names right. They keep merging all the time. But Michael Kantrowitz um, has got all the numbers, shows clearly it's a it's a fucking scan job risk asset. We have a lot of smart people in the room. We're not going to do crypto. So how do, how, do, how do I talk about crypto without wanting to talk about crypto, right? So I think I answered your question.
6: All right. So. Hey, George. Um, had you asked a question about, you know, what would be a great short relative to the oil if you look at Uber, it's structurally bankrupt with yeah, negative working aces, three, capital. Yeah,
0: three aces. Let's just hold that. All right. I'm sorry. So I want to tie, bring this room to an end. But Before we do that, I see we have uh, we have one question from Seppo. I'm going to add him. And I see a couple friends in the audience. If they want to uh, weigh in, either a question or an observation, uh, our good friend Dave Collum is here. Michael um, Green is here. Oil God is here. Um, Marcellus is here, Deer Point is here, I mean a lot of really smart, good friends, uh, here. If anyone's got anything they want to say, you know, speak now, forever, hold your peace. Otherwise Seppo is going to speak and he's going to be the last speaker. Seppo, welcome to the stage, what's up? Okay.
16: Uh, earlier you guys were talking about, um, uh, Ukraine being like Finland. Well, I grew up in Finland after the second world war, was born there during the war moved to Western Finland at one and a half years old. So I lived my entire youth in the shadow of Russia. Now, times are different, of course, now than before, because Finland was a very poor country before the war, and it was a very poor country after the war. Now, Russia put war reparations on Finland, where they had to develop, and they developed a metalworking industry. So once the war reparations were done, they had the metalworking industry, and they started to sell all kinds of equipment to Eastern Europe. So, uh, the point is the point of this uh, this, tar- this uh, my statement is that that uh, Ukraines Ukrainians would it would be best for them to just give up right now. They can develop under the Russian shadow uh, very well over the next next number of years. So, uh, this fighting uh, should stop right away. Now, the other thing which uh, uh, we talked about, uh, you mentioned that uh, this business about the uh, shortage of oil, and I've said it before, you cannot get any more oil out of these old fields. I mentioned uh, yesterday, I think, that uh, 50 percent of the world's oils comes from one percent of the the fields. Those one percent are the largest fields in the world. There are 500 of them. And we know how old they are. We know how long they have been producing. And we know many of them that they are declining. So I don't think you're going to get much more oil, no matter what the price is. Thank you.
0: Wow. Fantastic questions. Um, You're right. (laughs) Shabam, you want to say something?
12: I think um, for those who are not following SEPL, He has an incredible YouTube channel and and has written a lot of papers on oil production and conventional oil declines, so I wouldn't take his word lightly. I think there's a reality to this that the people have ignored. Energy ignorance is at at an all-time high. I'm seeing Twitter posts today that OPEC is a corrupt this and shale should be doing this and that from, from people who have no idea of what they're talking about. So please spend time. Reading into the oil and gas industry, where supply and demand comes from—that's all I can say. Because you, it's not about investment; it's about just understanding what runs the world. And I think it's very important going forward yeah. that we need to teach these things to everyone. Um, thank yeah. you.
16: So, 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 Shabam, everyone should follow Seppo. He's got some good stuff. No, by there. the way, you guys—is that uh, any serious people who want to get in touch with me? You can get. You know how to get in touch with me. I'll be happy to uh, to yeah, discuss yeah. this right. in length. Yeah,
0: Seppo, we know
16: where we live. We'll find you, and if we can't, we'll ask
0: bomb All right, no. thanks for that. That was a brilliant thanks. question. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna uh let's see, we got a couple friends here. We're gonna do uh Oil Guide and Sohave. Oil Guide, what's up?
17: George, thank you. And uh fantastic space. I was very much enjoying listening to this whole thing. And uh obviously, you know, just from the hashtag, you know where my allegiances lie when it comes to a portfolio. Uh, What I will say is that I think it does extend to other commodities, And and the only thing, and I'm sure somebody in this room has brought this up, but you look at war, you look at human sacrifice, you know, dictators and oligarchs, and authoritarian regimes don't give a fuck about human life this is about resources and control and going into the next 10 20 years and this is about reducing the united states's influence on parts of the world that for the last few years have had a hell of a time negotiating with russia opec china and these are going to be emerging markets like india uh obviously lots of parts of the far east and really people that look at the United States as a hindrance to the growth of their own people and populations. It's not very popular to say these things over here in Western society, but those people in the East, they don't really give a fuck about us. And right now, they've got two of the largest uh, you know, armies, largest uh, you know, authoritarian dictators working together silently, and they've negotiated this shit for years. So if I was us, and all I'm gonna tell you is, don't wait around for your politicians to save you. Stock up on the things that you need and invest in the things that are going to become scarce. And I'm not talking about Bitcoin and all that bullshit. That's going to all go to zero when dries up which I'm talking about is exactly what Shabam is saying, which is oil, because all these smart, clever people who are trying to connect the dots today in 2022 follow the Canadian oil mafia with the energy education. There's absolutely nothing coming online that's going to quote-unquote white knight any of this shit. That's going to go stay, stay, anything with steel, copper, and all of the other resources. Buy low, sell high, Fibonacci technical, go for it. I don't give a shit. All I'm telling you is if you think of the next five years, all of these motherfucking politicians are going to get the rug pulled out from underneath them. And your point about the Republicans landsliding, absolutely unequivocally accurate. Right. In, but, in- but,
0: so, so Sorry sorry to interrupt you, guy But, you know, you and I spoke earlier today um, about what a sewer Twitter is. And don't worry, I'm not going to go there, but I just want to make a point. So, oil guy, you're a smart guy. How would you assess the, uh, you, and I don't know how long we've been in the room, but when you look around the room, it's Shabam, O'Hare, Sohaib, Abe, three aces, Michael Green's beneath you. We had Tom Thornton in before. I see your deer points in here. KFAB's in here. We had Mark Newman in here. We had Tony Greer in here. Okay. How would you d- describe the intellect, the sort of investment IQ of this room?
17: I would say it's about as high as you can get.
0: Okay, okay. So I want everyone to fucking dunk on this asshole. All right, this piece of shit. And I'm going to tweet this out. Okay, some guy called, some guy called no one forever. I'm calling him out, and he's blocked. He's going to get pissed now. But, 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 oil guy, we got to fucking clean up Twitter. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you and everybody else in this room. I'm going to tweet this out. Okay, this prick.
17: Hear me out. Hear me out. Oh, yeah. don't age what right? you don't do is you don't even acknowledge them they've been beneath- hear me
0: out no no let me finish this i just want to show you the pieces of shit that live in the sewer that's known as twitter this guy writes and his name is no one forever okay just no one forever he's at new times dj this is a first class piece of shit
17: question does anyone in your group That's have the slightest clue on? There's no such thing as first-class pieces of shit. They're all scum. Oh, okay,
0: okay, oil oh, god, hear me. They... Let me finish, please. Okay, don't don't be an asshole like George No and keep interrupting me. Okay, all right. Does anyone in your group have the slightest clue at all of how to actually trade? Question mark. I'm not sure I'm hearing it. Just a bunch of gibberish. Lol. Like, oil oh, god, what am I supposed to do with a with a pile of garbage like that?
17: You know, listen, George. You have to ignore it. There's too many morons on Twitter, like there's too many morons. You want to You want to go lose your hair, go to a Bitcoin room and listen to the people pumping each other up. You can't save everybody, George. The people who are on this call are the same people that follow all of us around, because they're like-minded individuals that are many of their friends, right? I look down, I, I I care for Abe. So Abe, Three Aces, Shabam, dear. A lot of these people, I, you know, whether they are trading with me or against me, I didn't give a shit. All I know is I respect their opinion and I'm willing to listen to it. These are morons, you're not going to be able to save them. Let them go. Yeah, I'm going to or let you, them go,
0: but more importantly, we, how do we
6: how do we how do, how do we how do we rid Twitter of these assholes?
17: We're going to do we're going to smoke some marijuana and we're not going to worry about them. The same things.
6: way COVID, the same way COVID ridded rid, rid all the COVID imbeciles of 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 the world. The truth. The truth always wins. It always does. Just like ESG is going to come back and rip all these people's heads off. COVID came back and ripped all their heads off. We just got, you know, all we could do is tell the truth. I mean, unfortunately, the lies travel, you know, instantly, and the truth takes years sometimes, you know, to spread. So, you know, we just got to keep telling the truth, George. That's all we can do.
17: Let the money do the talking. Post your returns, short their indices, whatever you need to do. I mean, I'm too embarrassed to tell people but- Hey, oil
6: god, real quick because I know George wants to wrap it up. Shabam, I just have a question for you, my brother, and you know that you are my God. And I and I absolutely love every single thing about everything you write and do. But hold on, hold on, I have a question, please. So so Shabam, you know, I've spent the last decade in the emerging markets, right? I'm looking at the dollar just absolutely annihilating all of these local currencies. And then on top of that, the commodities, including the oil and stuff. I mean, you know, this this is gruesome. Okay, I'm just curious, you know, at what point do we start to see the real demand destruction? Forget about here in these goddamn bubbles that we live in, you know, in the Sierra Leones and Uganda's and these places like that. I mean, these little taxi cab drivers running around, you know, three dollars. Look at Uber. I mean, Uber's got a huge footprint uh, overseas. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, there's got to be serious demand destruction at some point here, like now, with the dollar, you know, and and the double whammy of the dollar relative to the local currencies and the price of oil. Do you have an insight there, please?
12: Sure. Yeah. So I don't have any exact numbers for you, but I'll, I'll make two points on that. The. First one is that a lot of these countries have a have a ton of tax on gasoline, on diesel, on gas and whatnot, uh, natural gas, mean, propanes, etc. The big uprising in uh, Kazakhstan, like a few months ago, happened because they raised the taxes, um, or they were not providing subsidies, something like that. So there's there's a lot of levers they can pull with reducing these taxes. So that's number one. The second thing is that the people that use petroleum products in emerging markets. Have a lot of money. It's it's the upper middle class and even the lower middle class who have these motorbikes and they got um, uh, little cars and whatnot. And and the cars in India get like 50, 60 miles per gallon. The motorcycles get like 200 miles a gallon. So, you know, these people have enough money where it doesn't really affect them anyway. Um, it's the poorer people who are who are just getting into using propane and just. You know, just bought a motorcycle. They just generated we our- right. I mean,
6: generators and all that stuff. But here's the thing hang on one second, please. Uh, so, Shabam, just to add to that, right? So, in most of these emerging countries, 85, 90% of, of the GDP is in the shadow. There are no taxpayers, right? In a Sierra Leone, there may be thousands of t- taxpayers, right? So, so, the way they collect money is through taxes on utilities, imports of diesel or of fuel and also imports of goods. So, you know, if they, if you take a country, like one of these shit little countries that we're talking about, you know, and you take out, you know, basically a third of their tax revenue, you know, these countries have real revenue problems. The United States doesn't have a revenue problem, it's got an expense problem. But you take any one of these countries we're talking about, these emerging countries, they're desperate for revenues. Almost everything is done in back alleys and cash and no invoices, no taxes, no VAT, no nothing so you know i just you know in terms of the tax you know holiday like we're seeing in alberta and florida and other places uh you know just just wanted to add that to that there for you
12: yeah you betcha and if i can just make a a comment here um is that oh i totally forgot what i was going to say sorry about that
0: shabam don't worry about it there's always another room we'll do it again all right listen guys this has been only three hours and ten minutes we're making progress here (laughs) It's sort of like, you know, major league baseball games or football games. i got to figure out how to shorten them. But you guys just keep wanting more. It's like you guys want five-hour marathon sessions. But whatever. I'm getting old. I can't do this anymore. All right. So, listen, guys. We're going to do this again. This is three days in a row. O'Hare, I can't thank you. Now. Hey, Sohei, real quick. You got something quick? I mean, no commercial messages, please, for the Canadian Oil Mafia. If you got something important, that's fine. But otherwise, I want to close the room. So, hey, you got anything? No, just to no
10: commercial. Just to
0: all of the – I just left meeting one of the... Okay. Uh, I'll leave it for another day. Take all right, care. no problem. And do me a favor, guys. I just tweeted out this jackass. This Could you please like the tweet and forward it as much as possible? I want to humiliate this motherfucker. And this room is this, this room is being recorded, and, and this motherfucker can hear it, and I'll keep saying it. So please like and retweet the tweet I just put out. Guys, I want to thank all of you. O'Hare, Shabam, Three Aces, Abe, LaFont... I mean, you're all wonderful, and and Tony Greer, and and Thornton, and Newman, and Justice. These rooms only work because you guys make it work. This is awesome. I'm just the ringleader. We'll do it again. Stay out of trouble. Don't be long. Take care. Good night, guys.